What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Good evening, everybody. And what we can say about this game is the old cliche. This was an old-fashioned butt-whipping. The San Francisco 49ers come into Lincoln Financial Field with revenge on their mind, and they played it up for about a year straight, and they delivered, destroying the Eagles today, 42-19. The 49ers had their first two possessions where they looked completely lost in space, and then they scored touchdowns on six straight possessions. They housed the Eagles' defense today with a great mix of run and pass, The 49ers got 460 total yards on the Eagles today. This defense that you weren't supposed to run on, the 49ers had no trouble doing anything against the Eagles today. So what does this all mean, folks? What it means right now, it looks like the 49ers are the better team, and if the Eagles do not beat Dallas next week, we may be talking about an NFC title game that the Eagles would have to win in San Francisco. How's that feel? I'm Mike Missinelli. This is the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. We are live at Ocean Casino with the crew, Mark Farzetta, Bill Calarulo, and Seth Joyner. Fellas, uh, I thought the Niners were going to play really well. I thought it was going to be a close game. They were The Niners were favored in this game. I know you have to lose. I did not expect that the Eagles would lose like this. They, they were embarrassed today. There's no other way to look at it. That was pathetic by the Eagles. And I just say this right out of the gate for all Eagles fans. Let's not be Winers fans today, okay? Let's acknowledge that this team got their butts whooped, as Mike opened the show with. And nothing is more accurate than that. You were supposed to have a very close, hard-fought battle against this 49ers team. It was supposed to be knocked out, drag, dragged out fight. That was supposed to be between two teams that could very well and still could very well end up in the NFC Championship game. The Eagles look like a team today that didn't belong on the same field as the San Francisco 49ers. The most optimistic San Francisco 49ers fan that might have predicted a score like this, you gave them their wish today. The Eagles did not look like a team that were ready for the moment today. And it's the first time really, other than the Jets game, I know, that we could say that about this Philadelphia Eagles. And it's a rare occurrence that we could say that with Jalen Hurts healthy and playing in this game, starting in this game, leaving for a minute, but obviously in the Sirianni Hurts era, this is one of the worst losses that you can imagine in their time together. Yeah, I've been saying it all week. A lot of people have been complaining about Brian Johnson and this offense. The offense wasn't going to be the issue with this team. It was the defense. That's where my concerns have lied. Can this defense be good enough to beat these better teams? Oh, we got a fire alarm going off here. Eagles fans aren't happy. Fire alarms are going off here at the Ocean Casino. (laughs) So we'll keep going until they tell us otherwise. Of course. But the Eagles should have pulled the fire alarm during the game because they could not stop the San Francisco 49ers, and they were really exposed in an area we were all worried about pregame, the linebacker position. Shaq Leonard, they may have to pay him whatever he wants. Well, which leads us to the great linebacker on this panel, the great Seth Joyner. And, Seth, I I know you do not like bad defensive performances, and this is one of the all-time bad defensive performances. What did you see? Well, one of my concerns 
We're setting up your mic right now, Seth, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, from what we were talking about throughout this game, you were coaching up the linebackers for the Eagles, fortunately for us. <laughs> well, this is this is mayhem here because the yeah. Eagles, we're not used to the Eagles losing. It's it's mayhem at Ocean yeah. Casino. Fire alarms with going all kinds off. of stuff. Our mics are getting cut off. We're, yeah. we're all that's <laughs> not the fire alarm. That's actually the panic button. Yeah, I'm hitting it. But no, really, the, the major problem in this game: offense didn't play well. Don't get me wrong, but the defense six straight touchdown drives after they held the 49ers to two straight three and outs. The 49ers never left the field. They never had a punt. They never had to do anything. <laughs> Are we? Can we keep going? Well, we, we, we. Yeah, Seth's microphone is out right now. So yeah. let's let's look at a key moment of this game because the only part of this game where it looked like the Eagles had some momentum occurred a very unusual occurrence. The 49ers were up 21 to six in this game, and all of a sudden. Drake Greenlaw slams Devontae Smith to the ground out of bounds. Well, that's one personal foul penalty. And then Greenlaw sticks his finger in the face of the Eagles director of security. He actually is the, the security for coach Nick Seriani, Big Dom DeSandro. They throw another flag. Greenlaw's out of the game. And, and they wound up throwing Big Dom out of the game also. But that was momentum that we thought was going to carry the Eagles because off of that, they score a touchdown to make it 21-13. to And the 49ers came back with the answer. They got right up the field. They converted a third down pass. McCaffrey had a big run. And then they split the middle for Debo. Now, there may have been a hold on that play on Blankenship. I get it. But it goes for a 48-yard TD and the answer to 28-13. to and at that moment, really, the game was kind of over. Yeah, I mean, we saw it against the Buffalo Bills where the Buffalo Bills threw haymakers back at the Eagles, but then ultimately Eagles were able to get that turnover, get that interception by James Bradbury. There was no prayers answered tonight in the game, and the San Francisco 49ers, to give them all the credit in the world, just kept on coming. They couldn't be stopped. And when the Eagles, as you said, Mike, they, they, the Eagles finally responded after the Dom DeSandro incident there on the sideline. What happened? The 49ers just came right back, and they controlled the football. They controlled the game. They controlled the clock. They ran the ball well, and they did everything to stomp out any semblance of momentum that the Eagles tried to get going in this game. Yeah, we talked about it on the pregame with Seth. Brock Purdy wasn't a very good quarterback when he was playing from behind. Being down 6 nothing wasn't what we needed on those first two drives. The Philadelphia Eagles needed to convert in the red zone. Going 0-2 for 2 there turned out to be devastating not sure it would have mattered with how bad the defense played the rest of the game but it would have at least given them a shot to take an early 14 nothing lead all right now now seth you were you were looking at this defense i don't know if your microphone is on or not you can it's yell it's uh, because i need your perspective on this can you hear me uh yeah we got you now all right so uh you you were looking at the way the eagles were playing defense now they, they had to have a, a five-man front to stop what, what the 49ers were going to do and run. And they ran left with McCaffrey all game. The five-man front, you were suggesting five-man front and press coverage. That's the way you had to play this team. And that's not what you were getting from the Eagles' defense today. Well, that's not what they want to do. That's the disadvantage that you find yourself at when you play the five-man front is that you're almost forced to play man coverage behind it because you're one defender short on the back end which means that if you want to play zone, then you're going to be a zone short somewhere. And the smart offensive coordinators are going to figure out ways to attack the zone where you're, that, you have, that you're forced to give up. Um, I've seen you know, some, 
some diversity. You know, you saw Nolan Smith come in and they tricked Purdy one time. You know, they gave him a five-man look. Nolan Smith drops into coverage. You know, Fletcher Cox gets a sack. But there was not enough imagination. You know, I, I put this win, I put this loss rather, I put it solely on the heels of Sean Desai and his defense. And like I said in the pregame, I'm not sure. I know um, Greg Olson referenced it, you know, in the po- in, in re- after the game. He talked about how, you know, if Nick Sirianni could have signed up to be 3-1 and one through that, this four-game stretch, that he would have taken it. But, I, you know, my thing is I know that from an emotional standpoint and from an adrenaline standpoint, they played, you know, three very emotional games back-to-back-to-back, you know. Um, and it's very, very difficult to get yourself up and stay up, you know. Now, I put, the, I put this loss on the defense because they looked disinterested. They had no fight. You know, you can't give up six scoring possessions, touchdown possessions in a row. You know, I tweeted, if there was ever, if there was a Howie Roseman, if there was ever a time to understand why linebackers are important to your defense, just watch Josh Morrow, your starting middle linebacker, miss a tackle on Debo Samuels, and he take it 48 yards to the house, okay? That's why. If there was ever a time you wanted to understand why the linebackers are so important in your defense, the reason why you have to play a five-man front is because your linebackers don't know where to fit. They don't know how to fit. They can't get off of blocks. And then when you go to your five-man front, your linebacker only has a one-gap responsibility. He's got one gap that he's responsible for, and then he can float to the ball untouched everywhere else. And you want to tell me that they were able to run the ball at the clip they were able to run it to today? Do you realize the San Francisco 49ers put up 476 yards after winning a game last week, giving up 500-something yards, okay? So now at the end of the day, you've got a defensive problem. Because if you're going to play a passive-style defense and you can't win the chess match or when to go five-man, when to go four-man, when to get up and press and when to play off, this is what you're going to expect against teams with powerful offenses. You know, you cannot, and I'll say it again, I don't give a damn how good your pass rush is. I don't care because there's always going to come a point in time in the game where you have to dial up blitzes and you have to dial up pressures to put the quarterback under pressure. I said it in a pregame. If they don't control the run game, they're not going to control any asset, any aspect of this game because well, what San Francisco wants to do, they want to run the ball. Now that allows them to get to everything else that they want to do. They were perfectly balanced. 27 passes, 28 runs. The Eagles were all out of whack here. 48 passes and 16 runs or 18 runs. And I get that's why they, they had to because yeah. they were down in the game. But that's a result of not being, a, be able, to, being able to convert those two early drives and then yeah. the defense allowing San Francisco to get to what they wanted to get to in their offense. Let's look at the start of that game because you're absolutely right. The Eagles, uh, the 49ers' first two possessions, you're going, well, they don't even look like they're, they're involved here. They, they were like yards. totally discombobulated their first two drives, both three and outs. The Eagles, conversely, got the ball down the field, had two 12-play drives and couldn't get a touchdown out of it. 
They got two field goals out of it. When you look back, you got to get a touchdown out of those couple of drives. But what did the 49ers change from looking so bad in those first two drives? They started to run the football. Early on, they couldn't run the football. And I don't know whether guys were injured or guys were hurt, but Sean Desai moved away from, you know, some four-man fronts, some five-man fronts in certain situations, and it was a chess match. You know, we talked about it. The first touchdown they scored, they got down on the goal line, okay? And when they got down and when they came out, they, they were four down. And I looked at you guys and I said, touchdown, didn't I? I said, touchdown because they cannot stop the run in the four-man front. And everybody else in the National Football League knows that. So now, now you've got this chess match. The same way you see two high safeties and most teams will check to a run because they know that they got man on blocking across the board, six on defense, six on offense with the tight end and the box. This is the same thing you get in the four-man look. They know that the minute that the Eagles get in the four-man look, that the linebackers are a liability, and because the linebackers are a run liability, that they can get whatever they want in the run game. And once San Francisco got the run game going, then you begin to see the bootlegs and the misdirection plays and, 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 and everything else that they wanted. And it opens up the rest of their game. It, it begins to fool the eyes of the linebackers. It begins to fool the eyes of, you know, the safeties. And then the, the offensive line, the defensive linemen, they become a little more passive because they're cognizant of the fact that they're getting the ball run up there behind. So even on play-action pass, you're not getting a full all-out rush because they're afraid that the, the ball might be handed off. All right, let, let's look at the big picture here, and then we're going to go back and dissect every element of this game. The big picture is this is one game, right? It, it certainly looked to me today like the 49ers are the all-around better team. And so the big picture on this whole thing is the 49ers had to win this game to stay in contention for the number one seed. They look like they have one really tough game left, and it's against the Ravens. So if we're looking at the big picture, if the, if the Eagles are almost in a must-win situation at Dallas next week, which you there look at it and go, almost. could they, could they <laughs> win two, two games over Dallas? I mean, that's a precarious spot. Or we're talking about maybe the NFC title game, the Eagles having to win that game in San Francisco. That's how much this game meant. So do we look at this game like, okay, it was one game, they're due to get buried by a good team, but that doesn't mean that they have fallen down in the pecking order as far as who the NFC championship should be, go to. Uh, let, and we talked about it pregame, but this game wasn't just about winning this one particular game. Obviously, there was the extracurriculars, there was the things away from the field, there was the trash talk, there was revenge, there was all that stuff. But when you just break it down as you just did with the standings, it's a huge game just in that right. Because now the San Francisco 49ers have it in their head. And guess what? They already had it in their head from last year that they were the better team and the Eagles just got lucky. So now they feel even more like that after a game like this that they went 42-19. to So now when you look at it for the rest of the way, the San Francisco 49ers will now have that swagger, have that confidence, and know that they can take it to you in the event either you play here in Philadelphia again or you're hosting them in San Francisco. So for me, this, is, this was the biggest game of the season. The Eagles had to show and had to prove that all the national pundits were wrong, that San Francisco was wrong, and that they were ultimately the best team, well-deserving, after this game to be 11-1. and 
and that wasn't the case because they came up small in the biggest moment of the season. Bill, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't like them to win a game in San Francisco, an FC title game in San Francisco. I, so I dread that part of it, that the Eagles need to do that to get to the Super Bowl. Now, did this game look like that to you, that this is the better team and the Eagles are really going to have to climb a big mountain if they're going to win in San Francisco in an NFC title game? Well, certainly tonight, San Francisco was the far better team. But I didn't think this was a must-win game for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I still don't think, looking in retrospect, that it was a must-win game. But what I didn't like is that this is now the third straight week where this rushing defense has been exposed. We knew the passing defense was struggling all season long. They were 29th in the NFL. But you look at the first nine games of the year, they were holding teams on average to 65 yards. They had the best rushing defense in the league. Look at the last three games. The Kansas City Chiefs put up 168 on the ground. The Buffalo Bills, 173. And the San Francisco 49ers, 146. If this defense can't stop the run, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because we know they can't stop the pass. This is not what I asked you, Bill. Uh, and you're talking around the issue here. If this uh, can, team, if, they, if can this, they beat San Francisco in San Francisco in an NFC title game? If this team can't stop the run, they can't beat San Francisco in Philadelphia in an NFC title game. So no way they're winning in San Francisco. They need to figure out this running defense, and they need to figure it out quickly. Seth, hey, listen. I, what, the Seahawks amazing. We have gone from week to week saying, oh, this is a team that can't lose, a team that can't lose. All of a sudden, this one game changes the whole landscape because it's like now, okay, you, it's one game, but you have to look at the big picture because the Eagles would love to host an NFC title game. That's the easiest path to get to the Super Bowl. And if, if things play out, like I don't know how certain you are that they're going to be Dallas next week, but I'm certainly not certain about that. And if the 49ers win out, they're hosting the game, damn game. That's why it was a must-win game today no, for the it Eagles. Was, it wasn't a must game. The Dallas, sure it was. No, the Dallas game becomes a must game. Okay. Okay. Now it, it, they're, they're in the same position. They're in the same exact position if they come back and they beat Dallas next week. This was not I, – I, I've been saying all along – that they need to win one or two of these games to maintain their position. So this one, this one makes next week against Dallas a must-win. When is the last time they beat Dallas twice in the season? I, I'm asking because I don't know the question. Is, I, it doesn't it, matter. It, yes, it, it does matter no, because it, it rarely happens. No, it doesn't because you want to know something. Seattle went down and almost beat Dallas in Dallas last week. They should have beat them. Okay, but Seattle didn't lose to them earlier. Doesn't this is matter, my point. Though. The second game, it, it carries a lot more weight if you're trying to beat a team a second time. Maybe, but you know what? This is where we find out truly, truly what this team is really made of because now their back's against the wall. They were in cruise control as far as the, the, conference, the, the conference was controlled. And I said, I said it in, in every interview and every show that I did last week from my TV show to my podcast to my radio shows, my radio hits, everything. You're working too hard, man. No, that's I'm, seven I, jobs. No, it's what I do. It's a lot of All platforms. Right. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's what I do. Um, I said that if they win this game, they are clearly in the driver's seat, and they pretty much locked up the entire deal. I said if they lose this game, though, okay, they have just made it very interesting for every other team you know, three-loss team in the division or in the conference. Because guess what? Dallas now thinks 
that they can get the number one seed. San Francisco damn sure believes that they can get the number one seed. You understand what I'm saying? So now you've opened up this can of worms. So now you got to go back and you really, really, as this Philadelphia Eagles football team, you really got to kind of figure out, okay, who we really are. You know, can we stop the run? Can we figure out our run game on offense and not rely on Jalen Hurst to have to throw the ball all over the map? I just keep saying it. We ignore the fact that the running game is important. But the running game is what made San Francisco, the rest of their offense, absolutely go. But we want to go by this whole analytics thing where, oh, you run, you throw the ball early. They make it look that way. But think about how effective Christian McCaffrey was running the football. Even when Elijah Moore came in the game, he ran the ball effectively. When they put the ball in Debo Samuel's hands, he ran the ball effectively. And it essentially opened up the rest of the playbook. And when the game is over, 27 passes, 28 runs. Okay, but if the Eagles are going to persist on running their offense the way that they do and not getting back to running the football and being balanced early in the game, then we're going to be dealing with this offense that doesn't look like doesn't look that good in the beginning. And then they're going to have to always do the miraculous at the end and rely on Jalen Hurst to bring them back. What was really disheartening is that the, the offensive coordinator and the defense coordinator both got smoked today. And the head coach got smoked. They, what, there wasn't any semblance of stability on, on either end for the Philadelphia Eagles today. And to your point about the rushing, DeAndre uh, Smith carried it six times today. And uh, Kenneth Gainwell carried it too. They're your top two running backs. You take Hurts uh, carries out of the picture. They ran the ball with their top two running backs eight times for 18 yards in this game. And I know they got behind. But at one point, they were still in the game. It was six to nothing. At halftime, they were down eight. You know, you come out for the second half, that's certainly a margin where you could run a more balanced game plan, and they just did not do it. And they, they got boos going into halftime. I'm thinking, why are they booing? They're only down. They're down really a score here. It ain't nothing, but the fans booed because they were dissatisfied with whatever they were trying to do on offense and defense. They were dissatisfied with two field goals after two 12-play drives that covered 67 and 53 yards, and then they were, they were booing at a three-and-out and booing at a six-place 14-yard drive and a punt, and then two plays for three yards, and the half was over. That's what the hell they were booing and, about. And in that first half... They called 26 pass plays and only seven running plays. There you go. And you're right. The game was not out of hand yet. You look at the final numbers, okay, the game got out of hand. But early on, we knew this defense could not stop the 49ers. Best way to stop them, keep them on the sidelines. Run the football. Control the clock. They didn't want to do it. The 49ers were minus six offensive yards in the first quarter. In the second quarter, somehow they flipped that around for 173 yards of offense in the second quarter. And the, the touchdown that really all they turned out to be needed, it's like you know, the, the game-winning goal in hockey, like the third goal if you, you, you win 3-2. Yeah. The game-winning touchdown happened to be the, the, the first touchdown of the game where they went ahead 7-6 to six on a little play-action uh, 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 pass to Ayuk. Uh, in the back of the end zone where the, the video the evidence said he did catch it, it was kind of questionable. That was all they needed. They took the lead for good with that touchdown early in the second quarter. One of their six consecutive touchdowns. I mean, I, I know we could dissect this. I know we could talk about analytics. I know we could talk about coverages. I know we could talk about uh, everything. 
they just were not the more talented team today. And I'll say this, congratulations to San Francisco 49ers on what is their Super Bowl. So congratulations to you guys for that. <laughs> but as far as the Eagles go, only being concerned with them, you mean to tell me going into this game, I don't think any of us said, you know what, this linebacking core, even without Zach Cunningham, is going to stop Christian McCaffrey today. That was the one battle I really expected the Eagles to lose and lose handily, and that's exactly what happened today. But then they proceeded to lose battles with Darius Slay, with James Bradbury, with Reed Blankenship, with Nicholas Morrow not being able to come up and make a stop on Christian McCaffrey. And he was your best linebacker out there today, which ain't a brag. And you got Christian Ellis continually, uh, continually b- uh, biting on the play action time and time again. And they started to run that motion more and more in the backfield, and they had no idea how to handle it. So I know we could. there's certain things that we definitely could pick apart and say that this is bad. But when you get blown out like this, it's hard to just look at one thing and say, oh, this is just a bad You know, one. the tackling was, was uh, disgraceful today. It, it really oh, was. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're talking about that drive where they scored the first touchdown to go ahead 7-6. to six. Brock Purdy scrambled. Roby has him dead to rights. He squirmed out of Roby. I, I mean, I don't know how to how, – what is, who is Brock Purdy? Is he supposed to be some strong runner? <laughs> he's he's he not got, a bull in a china club. Yeah, no. He got to the four-yard line off of that, and then Sweat goes offside. It was the second time that he had gone offside. And then the play-action pass puts him at seven. One, the first one was huge yeah. because you go from forcing them to kick a field goal to putting them in a situation where it's third and two from the two – and now they're most certainly going to go ahead, you know, they're in four-down four territory. So that was the first, first boneheaded play that really cost them was him lining up offsides and giving them, you know, half the distance and the play over again when you already had them stopped on third down. You know, the other part, you can talk about the tackling, man. Tackling is nothing more than an attitude, you know. And when I look at it, linebackers are supposed to play the game with a certain amount of attitude. That guy's got the ball. I don't give a damn if you're a tight end, a running back, or a wide receiver, or you wheel my grandma out there, okay? I'm going to knock your ass off. Show me a linebacker on the Philadelphia Eagles team that has that kind of swag about him, that has that kind of attitude about him. Debo Samuels ran through this defense today (coughs) without an iota of fear whatsoever. The first kickoff, okay, the first kickoff, he brings it, 10 yards out of, the, out of the end zone and runs it almost back to the 30-yard line, and everybody ran down there acting like they were afraid to put some wood on him. Hit him on his damn knee and sent a damn message already. But you know what? They played like that all day long. All day long. Disinterested. Our corners are, are, are as disinterested at tackling someone, you know, as a young kid coming out to play football for the first time. They, are, they want no parts whatsoever. They want to push a guy out of bounds or they want to try to trip him up, but they will not come up and put their body on somebody and tackle him, okay? The only guy in that secondary that will hit you is Reed Blankenship. Everybody else on that defense, if it's not, if it's not the defense in front, if it's not the front five, they don't want to hit nobody. They don't want to tackle nobody. And tackling is an attitude. Debo Samuels wanted to stay up today more than the defense, than the Eagles' defense wanted his ass on the ground. Plain and simple. All right, let's take a breath. Uh, first of all, I know you're too much of a gentleman to think about uh, whipping your grandmama's uh, butt. On, on <laughs> Let me tell you something. Field, so. If she roll her ass out there on, <laughs> on Sunday, she's going to get tackled. <laughs> all right. 
In any event, What's Grandma, for- Grandma What's if you're looking to hire right now in the IT engineering, manufacturing, or technology fields, all you got to do is contact Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partners Staffing Solutions. And here's how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. All righty. So um, the touchdown before the half, now that I think about it, may have caused the Eagle fans to get a little anxious because after the 49ers broke through finally and took a 7-6 lead, the Eagles couldn't do anything with their next possession, and the Niners got the ball down the field 90 yards on 10 plays, and that swing pass to Debo Samuels was the big play in that. It resulted in McCaffrey's three-yard run, 10 plays, 90 yards, 14-6. At the time, I'm thinking that's not that big of a deficit. The Eagles are a second-half team. I think they will adjust, and so when I heard the booze, I said, well, you know, that's a little bit much. They're, they're only down to score, basically. But uh, it didn't. It, it turned out that the 49ers, and, and, and they, they go up 21-6. Uh, to 6 And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I thought they were in the game. I really thought that they were in the game at 14-6. to 6. Uh, When Dom DeSandro got thrown out of the game, I thought the Eagles were going to start their comeback, and they did. They ended up scoring that touchdown. I thought that might be enough to, to change the tide. Mm-hmm. However... They had been booed off the field for the last couple of home games, being down only or being down ten points at the half. Now they're only down eight, and they're being booed again. But the thing that is, but, so, but, here, but the beauty of that is, okay. six straight wins for Hurts when he's down ten plus points. Okay, like all, right. like all that has to factor in. You go, okay, this is a better team. Mm-hmm. I get it, but I did not expect them not to have a response in the second oh, half. I, neither did I. I, I. I fully expected them to make this a game finally. But that's part of the thing that's so disheartening about a loss like this. And, yes, is it a big game? Yes, I still think it's the biggest game of the season. The Eagles have a lot of work to do, obviously, coming up here against the Dallas Cowboys. But in particular, the thing that is so disheartening about this game, how many times have we looked at Nick Sirianni, this Nick Sirianni-led Eagles team, and said they just didn't look prepared to play this game? Few and far between. I mean, did not look prepared. Offensively speaking, not being able to cash in for touchdowns against this team. What do we say after a lot of these games that the Eagles end up coming back in the second half and winning? Well, you can't make those mistakes against the upper echelon teams. They are able to su- survive some mistakes against the Dolphins, but they obviously won that game handily. They were able to make mistakes against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they were able to still win that football game. This was the game that was the bigger, biggest measuring stick game of the season, and they came up extremely small in every facet of this game. Yes. Yes, they did. Uh, all right, so listen, let's, let's take a break. On the other side, Derek Gunn's going to join us. The Gunner will join us from his home studio to uh, give us his spin on, on this game. And like I say before, it, it's the big picture for me. When I, when I looked at this game, I said, this is why they need to win this game. I don't expect them to beat Dallas twice. And if they let the 49ers back in this, there's going to be trouble because then they would have to win an NFC title game in San Francisco. So that's what's on my mind right now with them losing this game. I know they got blasted, and a lot of people have, well, are they really this good or not? I'm, I prefer to look at it like this. They got their butt whooped in one game today. They, they weren't the better team. But then I go, they're still capable of getting to an NFC title game. But then I go, can they beat San Francisco there? 
because that's what it now has to be. No. But look, sometimes as Philadelphia fans, we tend to overreact. It's one loss. It's one loss. But this isn't really just one loss. This is something we've been complaining about since the summertime about this linebacker position. Was the linebacker position good enough? Did they have the depth there? We were putting a lot on the Kobe Dean, who only played 34 career snaps before this season. Well, he's not around anymore. Zach Cunningham, how long is he going to be out for? And this defense has struggled this season. They were 30th in the league coming in on third down efficiency. They were 45% coming in. They let the 49ers convert 73% of the time. They were 29th in the red zone. They let the 49ers convert 100% of the time. So this isn't just one game. This is things that we've seen. I still think this is a good football team. I still think they can do a lot of things. But they need to shore up that defense. We talk about play calling on offense. For me, it's third down, red zone, and that linebacker position. That's going to be the key to them going to another Super Bowl. Simply put, their deficiencies finally caught up with them today. Okay? They've been able to get away with it. And everybody kept saying, well, you know what? But they won. But they won. But they won. It didn't look good, but they won. It didn't look You know what? They played against a, 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 a complete team, you know. Yeah, but here's the reality of it. They, they, there are two teams that can play like this against the Eagles. So that's why it didn't hurt them. There are two teams that are contenders, really. We're talking about this team that beat them today and the Cowboys. Now, let me ask you this. In a matchup with the Lions right now. I'm not worrying about the Cowboys. Well, forget Amuse me here, all right? Because the whether, whether you want to deny the Cowboys or not, they're, they're one of the two good teams that can contend with them. The Cowboys are beating up. Okay. On, on, on a right. bunch of. No, no, no. This is no, not no, my no. question. You I don't have, want to talk about the Cowboys. I understand that because <laughs> I'm going to go to the Lions in a second, too. Uh, all right. Okay? <laughs> the Cowboys keep beating up on teams that stink. Okay, they post these big numbers and they stand on the sideline and they gloat and everybody wants to talk about Dak's back and Mike McCarthy, this and that. Okay, just wait. The Cowboys have got Miami. Who else they got? Farsi. They have a. Th- I'm not worried about the they Cowboys. The Eagles, are not going to be. Let me finish. Okay, me finish. I'm they, not worried about they, the Cowboys. They, they got the Eagles. They have uh, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. Okay, yeah. finish it's on the road. Okay. Schedule. So so let's see. Let's see how they come through that before we start deeming them to be. I, the, I am the, not the deeming team. them to be. All I'm I just, said no, was they're, they're among the top three teams in this in this conference. Okay. The, I don't think they're going to be there because of that schedule. So I'm well, not worried about them. They're, I, they're I worry about the next week because I don't think the Eagles are going to beat them uh, to, to straight games. But my question is, if the Eagles have to face off against the Lions right now and you, get, you, take the, you digest this game, is that a trouble matchup? Nobody cares about the Lions either. They, <laughs> All they, right. So your, they, your they, answer they, is no. They, they've, listen, the only <laughs> legitimate team that's a threat to the Philadelphia Eagles is a team that just, they just okay. got they, – they just beat the brakes off them today. I get okay? it. Dallas at some point is going to do what Dallas does, okay? They do it every year. They're going to figure out a way to screw it up and mess it up, and they'll come up with every other excuse for why they did so, okay? The Lions – Come on, man. The Lions? I just Did answered you? the question, Seth. The Lions? You, so your answer is no. Your answer is no. You asked me the question, <laughs> yes. why, but why do I have to? Uh, well, I, I'm no, saying, no, no. Did, did this expose the Eagles to the point where the Lions answer? are now Are, are you going to let me answer my question the way that I want to answer? <laughs> you want to just you just want me to give you a yes or no? If you want a yes or no, just tell me, and I'll give you a yes or I no. I don't want a yes or no. That. 
I want you to diagnose how, whether the Lions are, are in that, whether Lions, this game revealed enough about the Eagles, which you said they've been, they've been, listen, it's been haunting them, and you knew something was going to catch up with them. Did it catch up enough where now the Lions are even a factor? No. The Lions, the Lions are a fraud, too. And, okay. they, and they've proven that, too. Okay? If you leave Jared Goff unpressured, there's not a throw that the guy can't make, okay? Mm-hmm. There's not a play that he cannot make. But the minute that you apply pressure to him, he becomes below average, below average of a quarterback in a National Football League, okay? Below average. There's a reason why, why Sean McVay traded him for Matthew Stafford because he realized after losing that Super Bowl to the New England Patriots that he could not win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff as his quarterback because he's pressure adverse, okay? And the better teams that are smart enough to understand that you don't let a quarterback like that sit in the pocket and take you apart that can make all the throws, you put him under duress, okay? So I'm not worried about the Lions. I'm not worried about the Cowgirls. I'm not worried about <laughs> any of them. You understand what right, I'm so saying? I've just crossed off. Team, you can see right here. The I, only I, team that the I'm Lions about. are out. And the Cowboys are out, which is what I said in the first place, that the Eagles are – I didn't even say the Cowboys are going to be in the NFC title game. I said, can they beat the 49ers in the title game? The NFC championship game is going to come down to the Philadelphia Eagles and the, the San Francisco 49ers again. The only question, the only question is, is it going to be here or is it going to be in San Francisco? That's it. Bank on it. I got gotcha. you. I, I, that's why I asked, because I think it's now going to be in San Francisco. This is what this game told me, which is why it was so important to win this well, game. Listen, the only way it's going to be in San Francisco if, if they if lose they, to if, Dallas. If, if they go to Dallas mm-hmm. and, they, and they lay another egg next week, the way they played uh-huh. this week, okay. then it'll be We're, in Let's take a break. Gunner's going to join us in the second segment, but this is good news, because I just looked at the line for next week's game. Dallas is only favored by two and a half points, which to me is an Eagles line. It's less than three, so they're saying, you know what? The Eagles could win this game in Dallas. So I hope you're right because that's what's got to happen. Listen, you're a betting man. I'm not a betting (laughs) man, okay? The only thing that I know is that the Eagles very rarely play back-to-back bad games. Mm -hmm. They very, very rarely do. They've got extra motivation to prove themselves beyond what they did today because Mm -hmm. you know what they did today? They confirmed all the BS that the national media has been spewing about them all season long, all season long, they, they beat the Chiefs because of what the Chiefs did, didn't do, okay? They beat the Bills because of what the Bills didn't do and what they, the passes that they dropped and what they did wrong, okay? By them losing in the manner that they lost today, the only thing that did, that just confirmed to the national media. So if they relish and they like the whole underdog role, guess what? You're going to wear that tag for the rest of the season because nobody's going to give them an iota of respect. They can go into Dallas and beat Dallas by 40 next week. The national media still will look at this game right here and say that this is the one because this is, Mike, this is even, everybody knows this is the preeminent two teams. Yeah. These two teams. Yeah, no question. And he got All blown right. out. Huh? Uh, and he got blown out. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, real quick, just and, and it might be a good thing. It, it, I, I hope it is, and, and, and no. that, that, that goes to my point as far as this goes. 
you asked the question about is it only one game? Obviously, they didn't play two games tonight, so yes, I'll, I'll go with you on that. It's only one game. But it's up to the Eagles right now to prove that it's only one game. They go and they handle their business against the Cowboys. They take care of their business on Monday night against the Seahawks, and they're able to ride out against a very – after the Cowboys, I think an extremely inferior schedule. Then, yes, this is it's only one game. Huge next week's game. All right, it's the uh, Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live at Ocean Casino, and uh, we are back after this. Hey, Philly, it's Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets all season long. That's right, I'm talking regular season, playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. So follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Oof, the Eagles get pasted today, 42-19 to at home by the San Francisco 49ers for, for a year. 
whined about them losing the NFC title game last year, uh, saying that uh, well, they really should have won if they had a quarterback and this guy sucks and that guy sucks. And uh, they come on this field and they, and they prove, when, you know, when a team backs itself into a corner with all this gibberish and this uh, the, uh, braggadocio, uh, you usually think that you want to put them in their place. Instead, the opposite happened. They talked the talk and they came in here and walked the walk and they win it 42 42- to 19. I'm Mike Missinelli. It's the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show with Mark Marzetta, Bill Calarulo, and Seth Joyner. In a little bit uh, later, we will have Kayla Santiago joining us. John McMullen, who covered game, of course, will be with us. So, uh, Mark, the, the player you can bank on today, <laughs> brought, brought to you by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know who you can bank on today. Oh, you got, got anybody oh, you can bank on boy, today? Boy, do I. How about that Jake Elliott? Huh? <laughs> That first uh, first quarter, we made those two field goals. It was the only points the Eagles were able to get. That was fun. That's the player I can bank on. Other than that, it's the most positive, positive thing I have to say. I, that's really it. I wish I had something better to say than that, but who else are you banking on in this game? I, I, that's why you, they pay you the big money <laughs> for the player you can bank I, on. Because I, 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 I don't have anybody that I can bank on today. I mean... You look at uh, the Jalen Hurts, and it's uh, 26 for 45 or 298 yards. A lot of them were meaningless yards, so you can't, you can't bank on him. But what about so you, those two usually, sacks? The two sacks he took today were yeah, he, so he, he, non-Hurtsian, it was ridiculous. He was not good today. So, uh, I don't know. I, you know, at halftime, this big stat comes up that 10-point leads don't mean anything to him, and uh, – and boom, but you know, for me, uh, the player you can bank on is Christian McCaffrey. That dude oh. is a flat-out baller, man. I didn't know uh, I was it, able to cross the aisle. Well, you can cross the aisle because, I mean, listen, they they got waxed, forty-two to nineteen. We sit here, we're going to pretend that the Eagles have a player you can bank on. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, you can bank on every week. I mean, really, you look at it like this. Here's what was amazing to me: Christian McCaffrey was just an incredible game, and as we talked about. Even in the pregame, when it came to the linebacking core, probably the least thing you were confident in this game was linebackers matching up on Christian McCaffrey. Probably right after that, even Kevin Byard had played pretty well against tight ends leading into this game. The Eagles are still the worst team in the NFL defending against the tight ends. And what they did, what Kyle Shanahan did such a great job of in this game was getting uh, George Kittle the ball. Simple as that. Whether it was motion in the backfield, whether it was him breaking tackles down the field, they were able to get him the ball successfully. And then after that, I think it was Jennings, literally throwing Eli Ricks out of his way for his touchdown. Yeah. That was another just embarrassing play tonight by the Philadelphia Eagles. But that entire offensive staff for the, for the, the 49ers w- was incredible. Coaching-wise, player-wise, and defensively, they came into Philadelphia and they played the game that they set out to play, which was just complete and utter domination. Yeah, well, you know what, what really bothered me was leading up to this game, we all heard Debo Samuel. He called James Bradbury trash. His teammates, everybody, showed all these videos by Nick Sirianni. We're told, take it personally. If I'm one of James Bradbury's teammates, I can't wait to get an opportunity to take a hit at Debo Samuel. It looked like everyone was afraid to hit Debo Samuel. They let, they let this guy go. Four targets. He had four catches, 116 yards. He averaged 29 yards a catch, two touchdowns. And Seth said it when we were watching the game. It looked like people were afraid to hit Debo Samuel. They should have been chomping at the bit to get a shot at Debo Samuel. And I thought that was embarrassing the way they tackled him tonight. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Seth, we go back to this linebacker situation. You know, they, they bring the guy in last week, and now he's going to decide whether he, uh, you know, what team he wants to play for. And, you know, we're just having a casual conversation. Uh, and I think it was you that mentioned this. He, you know, after he, he sees this game, 
does he want to play for this this team, or, or does he want to play for the Cowboys? It was John McMullen who tweeted. Oh, out, McMullen yeah, tweeted it. All right, we'll ask John about it later. But no, John McMullen tweeted during the game that uh, after this game, if he's basing, if uh, if Shaq Leonard is basing his decision on this game, I hope he enjoys Dallas. I go the opposite way with it, and I think this is the place he has to be. And Seth, I know you weren't all for Shaq Leonard. You weren't for even we talked about Zach Ertz even a little bit in the pregame show. But I mean, I look at this, and you you got to tell me that there's something. Shaq Leonard could bring more to the table than what we saw with these linebackers tonight. I, I, listen, I, I assume so. I mean, the, the, the only plus that you have there is that he'll understand the front once he gets the terminology, and in the run game, he'll understand where he's supposed to fit. Our linebackers have no freaking clue at all. You know, in the four-man front, they have no clue where they're supposed to fit. And I'm not so sure that they even read properly to get to where they need to get to if they knew they knew where to fit. You know, you go a five-man front, you're dropping a safety in the box, you shouldn't be able to run against a five-man front. You know, but, but I think you have to vary what you do too. You can't line up statically all the time and play the same way all the time. You know, like they go that five-man front and what they like to do in their eagle front is they will cover up the, the center and the two guards. Well, that's great. But what San Francisco started doing later on is they realized that every time we try to run the ball up the middle, they had it all clogged up. Once they decided to start running off tackle, now all of a sudden the Eagles had no answer for it because the linebackers couldn't get downhill and fit. The, the, the defensive ends, the two guys over the guards were too tight. You need to kick them out you know, a little wider, maybe a four eye, so that now you can pitch down inside and make all the runs stay inside and all the linebackers got to do is step up. But listen, it, they're just, they've got some problems, man. And you can talk about Shaq Leonard, you know, there's a whole lot of guys, you know, you could talk about bringing in here. But if these guys don't know how to, if they, don't, if they can't understand gap responsibility against the run and they can't study and anticipate how and where a team is trying to attack them, you know, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, but they're kind of desperate now. I mean, they got to get the best that's available, and he's available. Uh, so I would think that they they, they need to make a hard yeah, push to get him in. Whether he's my, my point is I don't know how healthy he is, okay? I don't know how healthy he is. Did the Colts release him because he's got a health issue? Did he go to Dallas, and Dallas decided not to not – to, not to, um, to sign him because he's not as healthy as they thought he was because if he's really healthy and they felt like he could help him, I talked about it in the pregame. They have more money under the cap than the Eagles do. They yeah, should have let him out of town. Make him an offer that he can't refuse to keep him from the Eagles, to keep the, the Eagles linebacker core in the state that it's in. But the fact that they let him walk away without even giving him an offer and allow him to come to Philadelphia – tells me that there's more to this story than meets the eye. So you can go and get him, you can sign him, but if he comes here and he gives you a series or two and he's hurt, you're right back where you were. And you brought a guy and you used up a roster spot for what? Unless it's about years. I mean, it could be he wants more than just a contract for the remainder of this season. Oh, you're not signing a guy in the middle of the year and extending him for what? You've, you've been hurt the last two, three years. You've been hurt two, the last two or three years. So I'm not giving you any more money than what's already on your contract. And the Indianapolis Colts still owe him $6 bucks. But that's why if he's hurt, 
If I'm Shaq Leonard, why even play this season? You're play. getting $6 million. Unless you're going to get signed to a long-term contract, there is no reason for Shaq Leonard to play unless he wants to chase a ring. And that goes to your point about would he want to sign here. I still think this Eagles team is a good team. I'm angry. I still think they're a good team. But they do need to do something. If it's not Shaq Leonard, I don't think it could be Christian Ellis and Ben Van Sumeren. Thankfully, we didn't even have to see no, Ben I agree. Ben they need somebody. Yeah. They, they definitely need somebody. Uh, our producer, Joe Krause, uh, mentioned to me that the uh, player you can bank on should be the Eagles head of security, Thomas <laughs> Now, Now, let me just say this, okay? Um, uh, I know everybody loves Big Dom. You know, uh, everybody loves him. And, but there, there's, he has no business being in that thing. And so what happened uh, after Greenlaw uh, slams Smith down, he comes into the picture and says, that's BS. Now, at that point, if you're the player, and it cost him because it cost him an ejection, he got the personal foul for that, and for then poking Big Dom. But he, he should not be, all due respect to Dom DeSandro, he should not be in the mix there. He's the director of security. He's not a coach. Get behind the damn coaches. I think that's. Emba- I think it's embarrassing. I got to be honest with you. I, I think Dom would agree with you that that's not the right play. And I know, uh, you, Billy, you've you've uh, worked with him, but I, I don't think he sought that out. I think we've all been in heat of the moment situations. But he he's reacted. there, Mark. No, but he. It's not like he ran down the sideline to attack somebody. He was right there. I understand what you're saying. He was. In he the shouldn't wrong. be right there. He shouldn't be there, right there. Well, that's in, where he in that place. Well, he shouldn't be. He should be behind. He shouldn't be in, in, a, a, in well, the front line. But nothing was different. That's where he always okay. is throughout right. the game. Well, his, his job is he's with Nick Sirianni. I get it. And he stays as close to Nick Sirianni as he possibly can. Which he was on that play. Which he was on that play. Did his emotions get the best of him? Probably. You know, he's just as big of a fan as anybody else of that team. He's a part of that team. He's been with that team longer than any player on that team. Yeah. So I agree with you. I'm sure if Dom could take it all back he wouldn't have been that close he's to the a nice action. guy and i'm sure he feels but bad about it he's got to be with syrian be in there poking the you know at the, at, he's he not tried a coach. To separate he tried to separate the two players but once he put a hand on the other player that's where he was ultimately but, in the but wrong he yelled at him too yeah well in the act he yelled of doing, at him. That, that's that's BS. BS. and tried to separate him right i don't think there's any call for it i really don't either way the legend of Dom DeSandro in this city <laughs> just got even bigger. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question. Are y'all crazy? <laughs> what? The San Francisco 49ers was ahead at that point in time, okay? Mm-hmm. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So, so what he talked some crap to him? So what? He had no business putting his hands in that kid's, in, in Dom's face, okay? And good for Dom. Because you know what he did? He got his 30 yards worth of penalties. <laughs> and one of their best and, players and, and, and kicked he out al- of the He game. also got himself tossed. So okay. protecting Nick Sirianni, like he's a Secret Service agent, a bullet's going to come out of the damn stands. He's got to uh, like, get, the, get out in front of the bullet. If it's coming out of the stands, somebody else is in a hell of a lot more <laughs> more trouble than Dom DeSanto. Oh okay? Seth, if you were, if you were let, let's screen law in this situation, and a team security official put his hand on you, how would you handle that? A team security? Well, Dom's Dom, in this case, if you're playing for the 49ers and someone from the Eagles security is pushing you away from an Eagles player and saying what you're doing is BS, how do you handle that? Well, first of all, you're on their sideline. So you know when you're on their sideline that you're outnumbered and they're trying to hurry up and get your ass off the sideline, okay? You've already got an enforcement like picking up the player and, and slamming him on the ground. Sure. You know, so now don't stand there and continue to talk trash. 
because back in the day, we snatch your ass on our sideline and then kick your ass and then push you back off. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, oh, I that's, get it. I'm just saying. You know, that's I have way. to laugh. You're telling me that if, if, if you ran into that same situation Mike, and some security Mike, guy got badass with you, that Mike, you're not going to react? Let me tell you something. Back in the day, back in the day, if a player got ran over on our sideline, you would think they, they threw hot grease on his ass he was trying to get off that <laughs> sideline so fast, okay? When you're on somebody else's sideline, you don't stand over there talking crap. I, listen, get I, off their sideline. I get it. We're just saying if it was you getting the get your bear poked there, how are you reacting? By some security guy who's not even a coach. But I'm Except not. Seth Jordan's going to say, oh, I'm sorry. I got some words for you. Okay. I got some words for you. Okay. But I'm not going to put my hand on somebody on your sideline right. thinking that it's going to go well for me, okay? okay? Right. We because know, and because, we know. Because if it was the other way around, when he put his hand out, we would have just snatched his ass right on our sideline. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody. My shoulder just down. got popped. Let's settle out. Shoulder got popped. No, but look, we, we know Dom is a security guard, but Greenlaw doesn't know who the hell he is. Greenlaw doesn't know if he's a coach or whatever, and I don't think Dom did anything. Look, should he have been there? No. But did he do anything that deserved for Greenlaw to put his hand in his face in another man's no, face? Greenlaw was out of control. He, he paid the piper for it. I mean, he got, he got two flags out of the game. He hurt his team. I'm just saying that the director of security should not get involved in that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't have anything to say at I all. Just, I just love that this is what we're talking about and not the disaster <laughs> we yeah, just saw better. on well, that we, football listen, field. Better. We could talk about a lot of things in this game, but yeah. of course that uh, uh, is certainly a, a, a talking point for the game. But yeah, I want to go back to the touchdown that you, that you referenced, Mark, about because this is really put it on ice. They, they had the big answer if it was 21 to 13. They get the, the touchdown to make it 28-13 to 13 with the Debo play where he shook off Morrow, and then Juwan Jennings just shakes off Riggs, Ricks. And, and that, that bothered me more than anything because now it's 35-13. It's hopelessly out, out of whack now the game. But, like, those two plays and two straight touchdowns, he, he, two guys got bulldozed out of the play. Uh, I believe it was a five-play drive, and then the one you're talking about there, I think it was a seven-play drive. Was that the seven-play drive? Yeah, 13? the one 35 to 13, the 18-yard pitching catch to, to Jawan Jennings. It reminded me of the old Staples commercial of hitting the easy button. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. That's yeah. exactly what it was. And it shouldn't be this easy. One of the, 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 one of the people we have praised the most this entire football season has been Sean Desai. We have talked about Sean Desai yes. and sung his praises all season long above anybody else. Brian Johnson getting a lot of heat. Sean Desai has been the guy that everyone's praised. For his adjustments in the second half, mind Which were They weren't existent after. There were no adjustments in this game. You're right. You came out in the first half, excuse me, in the first quarter as an offense, and you dominated this game. As a defense, you saw, again, Hassan Reddick start to get into the backfield and start to raise some havoc and start to raise hell in that backfield. And then that went away in the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter. And there was no counter to it. We have seen it throughout the season from Sean Desai as those great second-half adjustments where he'll either start to bring more pressure, he'll start to dial blitzes, and he'll make sure he tries to force somebody into a mistake. All that was gone. It wasn't there offensively speaking, and it sure as hell wasn't there defensively speaking. But this is the first time really this season where we have seen a defensive coordinator like Sean Desai and all the people saying, oh, he faced him three, year, three times last year when he was with the Seattle Seahawks. That didn't show at all in this game against the 49ers. Well, because, listen, I, the more and more people try to nullify how important the run game is, the more and more I will die on the hill that it is important. See, because the fact that they were able to run the ball the way that they ran it now began to dictate the way that he had to call 
defenses, okay? Because they couldn't stop the run. They're getting seven, eight yards on first and second down, running the football out of their four-man front. So he was forced to go to the five-man front. So when you go to the five-man front again, you know, I tweeted it at halftime. They can't stop the run out of the five-man front. I've been saying it all year long. The only way that they can stop the run is when they get in their five-man front. Well, guess what? When you get in the five-man front, that means you got to play man across the board. Because if you play zone, you're going to be short a guy in the zone. If that's the case, think about how hard it is for Sean to side the chess match that's going on. And if, if you think, if you think for one second that, um, that Kyle Shanahan wasn't cognizant of the personnel changes that were going on, now, when Zach Cunningham was healthy, they could get to the five-man line out of their 4-2 front. But they couldn't do it today with Zach out. So every single time that they got to the five-man front, they could see it. And they could make the adjustment. And they could adjust their play call based upon how many guys, you know, what kind of front you were actually playing. So he's limited in what he can do just based upon what he's forced to do because of what San Francisco is doing. That's why I said at the beginning of the show, I said it's a, at, the, at the beginning of, 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 of a pregame. The players are one thing. The chess masters that actually move the pieces on the board, that's huge, man. It's huge. I was worried about San Francisco being able to run the ball because I knew it would open up every other facet, every other facet of their offense, and that's exactly what happened. The minute, the first couple of series, they came out and they tried to throw the ball to get their offense going. The Eagles stymied them. Then all of a sudden, they start running the ball. You had Hassan Reddick that went up the field and forced a bad throw on a bootleg. The next time they ran it, he chased down the field. Brock Purdy gets out of the pocket. Now, just think about the chess match that's going on, you know? This is what these these coaches are dealing with is trying to put the players in the right position to make the plays when they need them to make the play. And when you're guessing on first and second down, do I go five man? Do I go four man? If I go four man, they're going to run the ball up and down my throat. If I go five man, they're going to go play action because they've been running the ball successfully and they're going to hit me on the back end because I'm short a guy in pass defense, you know? So it all began with the Eagles' inability to be able to stop the run. And for a team who's been very good against the run all season long, 85 yards a game, third in the National Football League coming into this game, they have looked just awful, awful the last couple of weeks against the run. And it's the same Achilles heel, in my opinion, that cost them the Super Bowl last year is they couldn't control the run in the second half, and it cost them a Lombardi trophy. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, teams really hadn't committed to running the ball against them because they had been so good. So those numbers are maybe a little bit skewed, but you're right. The linebackers are really important when it comes to that. Let's take a break. Kayla Santiago will join us with the diamond debate. My God, what could the debate be today? Can you, can you, can you, I have no idea what the diamond debate is. That's why uh, we have to go into the mind of Kayla. She's got something up her sleeve. It is the Pine Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. And we're back with the crew after this. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. 
Welcome to the Diamond Debate with Liam and Hillary in the heart of Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. What you got for us today on your right hand, Hill? Today we've got a right hand ring, Liam. What is that? It's a ring that you would wear on your right hand. That's it? That's all there is to it. Okay. <laughs> it's what? meant to balance your left hand situation or if you're not engaged or married, it says, I'm not engaged or married, but I still have this over here that's sparkly. A lot of other ways you can say that. No, not if you're trying to wear jewelry. Which okay. one's your favorite? I love this um, Art Deco moment. I mean, with these beautiful baguettes and round diamonds. I mean, who wouldn't say no to one of these? Baguettes are hot right now. People also love an eternity band. It's beautiful. Great for the other hand. That's right. So come on down here. For Love Bros here at Mark's Jewelers. Every day of the week except Sundays and Mondays. That's supposed to be our clues. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Hooters, the perfect pair. Go for the beers, go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery, go for the win. Go to Ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. It is the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. Um, if you were on Mars, you don't know that the Eagles got pasted to that 42-19 to to the San Francisco 49ers who avenged last year's NFC title game. And the numbers are grim. The 49ers, after two meek possessions where they had minus six yards, then rolled up 456 yards of offense with six straight touchdowns to win it 42-19 to with Brock Purdy throwing for 314 and four touchdowns and Christian McCaffrey, 17 carries for 93 yards. And, of course, what does it mean? Well, the big picture is if this plays out like it's likely to play out, the Eagles would have to win an NFC title game in San Francisco. And I think the 49ers proved today that they are the better team at this particular moment. Who knows what will happen in an NFC title game? But they were the better team today. So it is time now. Kayla Santiago joins us on the set for Kayla's Diamond Debate. 
brought to us by Mark's Jewelers. Kayla, a lot, a lot of big holiday things going on at Mark's. Yeah, absolutely. It's the holiday season coming up, so you want to make sure you get the best of the best jewelry. You've got the pearls, you got the bracelets, the earrings, everything that you can imagine. Go to Mark's Jewelers today. It's fantastic stuff that they have. Also, get myself some stuff from Mark's Jewelers as well, so make sure you hop on the bandwagon and make sure you go there today. Now, let's go to our diamond debate, and it's something that you guys already talked about in the show, but I do want to bring it up again is Shaq Leonard an absolute need for Howie Roseman right now? You look on the Twitter poll and it says, make sure you go vote right now if you want to be included in this conversation. 92% of the people say yes, 8% say no. And right now, I know you guys talked about maybe there's an underlying injury right there. Maybe he's better than having what you have right now. But for Howie Roseman at this moment, do you think it's a must need for the Philadelphia Eagles to do better than they are right now? Uh, listen, I think it is because they're desperate. And uh, they really don't have any any other solution. So wh- when you look at what brought uh, guys like uh, Bradley Roby and Kevin Byard in here was kind of the same level of desperation. We didn't really know whether they had anything left either, but they needed that those two guys for certain positions. And they've come in. They've done a decent enough job. They haven't been spectacular, but they've done a decent enough job. So I got to think with your lineup right now at linebacker with guys banged up and how they play today, especially Morrow, you got to take a chance, and maybe he's not the same player, and maybe he isn't 100% healthy, but I don't think they have any choice. No, the desperation is the right word, and this Eagles team right now at the linebacker position reeks of desperation, unfortunately. And I don't know how many times you can see a guy like Christian Ellis bite on a play-action fake and a throw go over the top, whether it be for a touchdown or whether that be for 32 yards. That's the type of thing you've seen so many times from this Eagles linebacking core, especially the guys that are backup. Credit to Zach Cunningham. He has come in here, and he has played very well this season, uh, far beyond what I expected him to when the Eagles brought him in late in the preseason. For me, I think they absolutely need to get a guy like Shaq Leonard. And mm-hmm. what I am hoping for, because Mike and, and Seth, you guys made fine points uh, with the argument as far as that he, is he even 100% healthy. I want to bank on the idea that he is doing what Ndamukong Sue did last year, what Linville Joseph did last year, which is most likely ring shopping trying to sign with a team that you're most likely going to win with. And if you are making that decision as a veteran player who's just looking to finish out a year, I think you're picking the Philadelphia Eagles over the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and Seth, a guy like Leonard isn't necessarily going to bring them and have them win the Super Bowl, but it'll definitely help them win some good games, especially how they got torched tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess he could. You know, my question is, you know, is he healthy? You know, can he come in and be productive, or has he lost so much that the Colts were ready to say, goodbye even though we owe we, we're going to pay you six million dollars to go bye-bye you know is he healthy enough after visiting dallas and having them having a need and them saying you know we pass or him telling them i'm going to wait and see i'm going to go and you know i'm going to go and visit the eagles and see you know what their offer is i mean the offers can't be that that wide you know but if to mark's point if he's ring shopping you know I get it. I understand. Um, I just don't know, man. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know that bringing players in, you know, after the season has already begun, if players who've been released, if they are really going to be an answer, you know, to a question mm-hmm. that large. Like I tweeted out during, I, I said, Howie, this is the reason why you value linebackers. What you just witnessed and what you just saw is why you value linebackers. This isn't a problem right now. This is a problem that has been plaguing this team since the draft. 
for the last 10 years because the Eagles have made a point that, you know what, we can piecemeal the linebacker position if we're strong enough up front. If you look at the great defenses, and what are the better defenses in the National Football League? The better defenses in the National Football League are the San Francisco 49ers or the Baltimore Ravens. All you have to do is look at the players that they have at linebackers on those two teams to understand why they're a great defense, not only in the run game, but what those four guys mean to the passing game of every defense and how much the Eagles lack all of that in their defense and wonder why they're having the problems defensively that they're having. Let me, let me play Howie Roseman to counter you. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm Howie. Okay. And, and I say, yeah, okay, Seth, uh, how, how much does it really hurt us? This is our second loss of the year. We're 10-2. and two. Uh, We've been a contender every year uh, with the philosophy that linebackers um, aren't really uh, a priority for us. How many Super Bowls has it won you? Well, one. <laughs> it, it's won you, it, and you won a Super Bowl that year. You, you, are, are you forgetting? The Tom Brady threw for 505 yards in Super Bowl 52, okay? You, you think that the linebackers didn't have a hand in that? You needed Nick Foles to post 41 points on the, the New England Patriots and score almost every possession in the second half to win that game, okay? So if that's your contention, if that's the way you're going to play, then continue, can, you know, carry on. Do what you're doing. But you can look forward to more performances like this and the ineffectiveness of your defense moving forward if you continue to neglect that position. Because, uh, listen, you look in Baltimore, they got Roquan Smith and they got Queen. You look at these, the, the, the linebackers they had, they got Warner and they got Greenlaw, four of the top linebackers in the National Football League, okay? I'm not saying you gotta go and spend first round draft picks on linebackers, but you gotta go get one ass kicker you got to have one linebacker that when you go to your five-man front, he knows where he fits, and when he's running to the ball with no blocker, he's looking to undress somebody. All right, let me, let me take myself out of Howie mode. I'm back to Mike Masnelli mode. I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> and I, I think that they, have, that they have devalued the linebacker position Too for years. years. Just Too like much. Andy Reid yeah. used to devalue the wide receiver position. It makes me crazy. I, I want to say one more thing about the idea, Shaq Leonard. Mm-hmm. Back to the question there. No one is looking – in the right mind for Shaq Leonard to be some kind of savior no. to this Eagles linebacking core. You're looking to upgrade what is a very bad position. You do not have a lot of talent. I will take what Shaq Leonard has between the ears and put that up against the athletic ability of a guy like Nicholas Morrow right now. And I will have more confidence in Shaq Leonard being able to go out there and make the smart play, fill the right gap, know where he has to be in that five-man front, and go out there and, hey, maybe, just maybe, his coaches will put him in the right position. He'll already know to be in the right position to actually make a play like the Eagles so desperately needed in this game against the 40s. Barzi, I agree with you 100%. But you want to know something? The best ability is availability. And if you bring that guy in here and he ain't available, you find yourself right back where you were before, and now you've kind of fractured what little bit of confidence, what little bit of confidence that the guys that you have on the roster now have. I'm glad you mentioned that. You don't think the Niners already did that? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. I mean, they came into Philadelphia, and 
I know Philly was underdogs coming into this game, but it was just hard to watch. When you're watching this team at the link lose like this, Jalen Hurts at one point, we didn't know if he was going to come back in the game, goes to concussion protocol. At that point, I think they lost the game already, though, and I think we, most of us can agree. But you look at this game right now, there's a whole lot to unpack. We talked at halftime that Sean Desai has been re- very good at halftime adjustments, and we said, but we're so tired of saying they need to adjust at halftime. They need to come into the game and have a game plan that's going to work for all four quarters. So out of this game, you go to play Dallas, then you play the Seahawks. What worries you the most? Is it the defense? Is it the linebackers? What do you think is really going to hold them back from trying to get this top seed in the NFC? I think it's it's everything. I think it's the way that they're playing on defense because there was a time during the year where they were dominant in the run game. And even though they gave up some passing, you know, there was a time where they seemed to be getting better. Now they seem to be regressing in both phases. You know, offensively, they started out shaky the first three games of the season. They, they leaned upon the run game, which really got the offense totally on track. And the minute they got the offense back on track, they abandoned the run game. Then Cam Jurgens got hurt, and everybody wanted to lay it at his feet while they couldn't run the football no more. When the truth of the matter is, they made a conscious decision not to run the damn football anymore, to try to win the game solely on Jalen Hurts' arm, you know? So, and, and that's why I always say, the running game is something you have to commit to so that when you need to go to it, you're confident that you can actually get it done. You know, they don't commit to it. So when they need to get it done, there's times where it works, times where it doesn't work, okay? But the foolproof is we're going to put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands and he's going to save us somehow, some way, by doing something miraculous, whether it's making a great throw or scrambling and making an off-schedule play. And I, if you look at this game today, tell me one time. Tell me, tell me how many plays you could probably count them on one hand. And he threw the ball 48 times today, okay? That doesn't account for the times that he had to run that those pass plays that turn into, that turn into scramble. Mm-hmm. So Jalen Hurts had 50-plus pass plays called today in this football game, okay? How many times did you see him, one, two, three, boom, get the ball out of his hand? How many times did you see him throw on time and on rhythm? He was holding and scrambling and just doing everything that he could. That tells me that you're not varying your routes and you don't have routes built in your offense to beat certain coverages. You know, San Francisco played some man today, something that they very rarely do, and the Eagles hurt him in certain positions with it. But against the zone, they had no answer. And we know that Hurts can operate proficiently from the pocket. But if you don't have routes to beat, you know, defense, you don't have routes to beat zone coverage, then what are you doing? Like, we talked about it early, Mike, Mark, Mark. We talked about the, 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 cover, the, um, the 10 personnel and being able to get to trips, three wide receivers to one side, and you got four wide receivers in the game and one running back. Get trips to one side, one running back here with DeAndre Swift here. And then you motion him and go four by one. They ran a bubble screen out of it one time in the first half. Tell me another time where you saw them use that formation to their, to their advantage. They did not use it. They did not use it. And they didn't have to particularly run a screen. They could have just ran DeAndre or released him to that side out of the backfield and let the three guys run the zone deep 
and then dump it off to him and let him gain five, six yards on first, second down. They could have did that all day long. Now, if I can think about that and all I get do, all I get paid to do is analyze that, you mean to tell me that the guys that spend 12, 15, 16 hours a day eating, sleeping, studying, game planning, they couldn't come up with that? Come on, man. Well, they did. Get back to the slant to A.J. Brown today, which Which I was happy to see. They had had put that in the closet for like the last five weeks. So that was a good part about it. But it got back to it, Mike, because you're playing against a team that plays zone. Yeah, and and so that that pass, yeah, that pass was there. And Devontae produced again. So here's the encouraging part. Like next week, Dallas Goddard will be back. So that, that rounds out the offense again for the Dallas game. Necessary part. Of, of their uh, their game plan next week with him back. I'll, I'll put it like this. Uh, this win for the 49ers, loss for the Eagles. I'm not a f- – I, I don't fear the rest of the season. Like, I look at this Dallas game. It's obviously a game that I think you gotta, is a must-win situation for the Eagles here to make sure that they're in control of their own destiny going forward. And then, obviously, they got opponents that mm-hmm. hopefully they don't look past as the season winds down. But uh, whether you want to dial up excuses about this game – whether it had to be with just poor coaching or whether it had to do with bad talent or guys just missing their assignments and all that. And it boils down to me that the San Francisco 49ers today were a much better team. And if it was a knockout, knockout dragout fight like we were talking about earlier where the Eagles only lost by three, then you could kind of maybe talk about more things that were more excuses or explanations for why they didn't come out on the winning side. But the fact that they were so dominated today is what gives me pause about going after the number one seed, home field advantage, and the first round bye. But when it comes to controlling their own destiny, I firmly believe that they are better than every other team that's left on their schedule with the only team that really having a shot or an opportunity being the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. I think at this point it's time to stop, though, giving the Eagles some excuses because we've talked about it and we've said, okay, well, they find ways to win games. They find ways to win games. What's going to be the breaking point where all of a sudden they're not playing well and they finally lose that game? That was today, and, yes, the 49ers are a very good team. But to me right now, I know that we have A.J. Brown and you have Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard is coming back. But this offense, in my opinion, is starting to become one-dimensional with the play calling. The running game, it's not getting going whatsoever, and you're constantly seeing it and seeing it. And I came into this game when it was foggy outside, when it was raining earlier today, saying, okay, the Eagles might run the ball a little bit more just because the weather conditions. But it's still not something consistently that they're able to do, and I honestly do think it's going to hurt them, especially in Dallas when they're worried about the Dallas fans behind them. They're not at home. They're not at the link. Seth, I'm going to go to you. Do you feel like this offense is one-dimensional, or do you think that they're going to figure it out? They have enough talent to do so. Kayla, they haven't, they haven't wanted to run the ball all year. I know. You know. And it's a problem. I mean, you talk about the weather. They played two games previous to this in rain and cold, and they came out and threw the hell out of the ball in those games. So, I mean, to believe that they, they honestly believe. It, it is their belief. They think that the way that you win is by throwing the ball on a consistent basis. You know, and, and my out for them is that, okay, if you're going to throw it, at least take what the defense is giving you so that you can move the chains. You know, a lot of what they do are plays down the field. They want routes 15-plus yards down the field. And, A, those routes take time, and, B, if they're not open – now Jalen has to turn into a magician where if you've got a check down and you can get five to six yards on first down, if you're going to pass it and you're not going to run it, then check the damn ball down, okay? 
<coughs> the two sacks that Jalen took today were atrocious. You know, one of them, he's running and, and to the sideline and instead of throwing the ball away. He's been doing this all year long. I guarantee you, he got at least 10 sacks where he runs to the sideline and instead of throwing the ball away and taking the incompletion like everybody else, he runs out, out of bounds at negative yardage and just gives the other team a sack. At least 10 of those, okay? Then the other one, he's standing up in the pocket and just waiting and waiting. When it works, it's a beautiful thing. But a lot of times, it's not going to work. You have to have an internal clock inside your mind that says, okay, I've stayed, I've, I've been here long enough. I've asked my offensive line. They've gone above and beyond to protect me as long as they can protect me. Let me get out of the pocket and throw the damn ball away and live to play another day, another down instead of taking a sack and putting us behind. What, what, what was it, third and 18? And you throw the ball to the Slim Reaper and he runs like his hair's on fire and gets you a first down and you still come away with nothing in that drive? I don't know. I don't know. They're just hell-bent on not running the football. And I don't care what the circumstances are unless all else fails until they get to a point where nothing that they're running actually works, they're just not going to run the football. When is it going to come to that point, though, in the playoffs? Because right now, yes, I understand that I can't stand either Jalen Hurts scrambling and getting sacked and throwing the ball and said incomplete, but I feel like it's because there's so much pressure on him. Where Whether it's Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni, because at this point I don't really know. I think Sirianni does like to throw the ball a lot, saying, hey, oh, by the way, you got to find a guy open. Don't hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift or Kenny Gainwell. With that being said, make sure once again you head to Mark Struhler's. This holiday season you can save up to over $2,000 now through Christmas in store and online. Never, ever re-gifted. Mark Strulers has some fantastic pieces, as you can see on your screen. The rings, the necklace, the earrings, and so much more. Make sure you go to Mark's Jewelers today. And that was presented by our Diamond Debate. All righty. Coming up, John McMullen live from the stadium. We'll hear what he has to say on the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live right here at Osha Casino. And we're back after this. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, 
We'll give you another 20% off, and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All righty, it's the Pontla Hockey Eagles postgame show. Um, this is not an occasion to smile because the Eagles got waxed 42 to 19. And for me, the big picture is, what does this mean? Does this mean the 49ers are that much better than the Eagles? And in that case, in an NFC title matchup in San Francisco, or are the Eagles like a heavy underdog? Let's get the man who covered the game, who saw the same thing that we did today. He's the great John McMullen. He joins us live from Lincoln Financial Field. John, 42-19, to 19, a butt-whooping that I don't think many people expected. What did you see out there? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a dominating performance after the first quarter. Obviously, San Francisco really struggled in the first 15 minutes. They had minus six yards. And a lot of, you know, I... NFL games tend to have personalities and, you know, it was first quarter versus second quarter. The Eagles with their two opportunities um, got two field goals. The Niners got two touchdowns in the second quarter. So that was number one. Then you come out, the, the, the San Francisco deferred. They go right down the, the field and score. Six consecutive touchdowns. Six consecutive touchdowns for the San Francisco 49ers. I know I, I talk about it every day with Jody on verse 365. Power indexes, power poles, they don't matter. But they're no different yesterday than they're going to be tomorrow. But there were a lot of people who said San Francisco was the best team in football. They proved tonight they are the best team in football. They're 9-0 when Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are healthy and playing with Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, um, and and Brandon Ayuk. They have such great playmakers. You saw all of them today in living color. Um, Brock Purdy is an old-school point guard. He's not Steph Curry. He's not going to beat you by himself, but he's more mo-cheeks. He gets the football to the right people, um, and they make the plays. Um they're just really, really impressive. And that Eagles defense, guy, they are they are leaking oil. And that back seven is not good. It's time to admit it. And I don't know what it is because I guess the Eagles have more talent on offense, so people get hyper-focused on the offense. And people are saying, 
Brian Johnson's doing a bad job and this and that. Sean Desai's doing a good job. And I, I think Sean's doing a, an, an okay job. I'm not trying to criticize him. But this defense isn't good. Not, not, not even, I mean, when that front doesn't get home, and you saw it, they got home in the first quarter. Hassan Reddick was terrorizing Purdy. I thought I saw something running down his leg at one point. <laughs> and you can't keep that up over 60 minutes. And when they didn't get home, they can't do anything on the back end. And Debo Samuel destroyed them. Um, and for all the talk and all, you know, everybody's upset, all Eagles fans, oh, Debo, Debo, Debo. Well, Debo just smacked in the face because he, he embarrassed this defense. And all I can say is, Seth, you're there six consecutive touchdowns. What would you do if it was six touchdowns on you? Well, I can promise you, <clears throat> I can promise you there would have been a powwow on the sideline, you know, after two consecutive drives. But, you know, it comes down to execution, John. You know, the coaching staff can put you in position to make plays, but as players, you know, you got to go out there and you have to execute the plays that's called, you know. And the Eagles did a very good job the first two series of forcing the issue. They played the run well, they stymied. Christian McCaffrey early in those first two drives. They got pressure on Brock Purdy. But once the San Francisco 49ers figured out, John, that they could run the ball and that they could get their run game going, it opened everything else up. Now you saw Brock Purdy running bootlegs and misdirection and rollouts and all of these different things that opened up their, their playbook. And the Eagles had no answer for it. They can't stop the run because of their linebackers in their four-man front. So they have to play the five-man front, which puts them at a disadvantage. And now the chess game begins between Sean Desai and Mike and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that one didn't work out too well. And Kyle's, you know, Kyle's got a, a reputation to be the best schemer, play designer in the NFL, deservedly so. And you know, San Francisco is a little bit different. They. You know they're so talented in the in the playmaking aspect. McCaffrey and and Debo can sort of mirror each other. You saw McCaffrey on that one double move as a receiver. He's a better receiver than receivers. He's catching the football over his shoulder. He's beating defensive backs with double moves. You see Debo when he sticks his foot in the ground. He's looks like a top ten running back in this league. So. They're difficult to deal with. It was clear the Eagles were concerned about IU beating them deep. They were giving him a lot of cushion. And then George Kittle in the middle of the field. It's almost like, what do you do? And, you know, I did criticize the Eagles because Nick Morrow was having a, a really good season. And it's it just seemed like the Eagles didn't believe in him. Um, and they were waiting for the other shoe to drop. Well, the other shoe dropped today because he had a, on first look, and I got to watch the tape and all that, but he did not play well. Christian Ellis didn't play well. I don't know why Eli Ricks is on the field. Um, I don't know why they keep trying to do that. Nothing against Eli because he's an outside corner and they put him in the slot at times. Uh, in certain known passing situations, you saw Jennings uh, with him and he whipped. Um, 
boy, bad day for the defense. Bad day for the defense. And we get to the offense. There's plenty to complain about, <laughs> don't get me wrong, with the offense. But I can't even get to that because yeah. the defense was so bad. Yeah, John, that's a perfect segue into my question here because this might be the most difficult question I've ever asked you in the time we've been talking here on Jacob Media. If you had to narrow it down, I know there's a lot of blame, and you just alluded to it when it came to this loss and taking this loss this bad. I mean, if you would have told me going into the game that they were going to lose to the 49ers, I would have bet you that it was at least a close game. It was at least a three-point game. It was a one-score game of any kind. This was a complete and utter domination, as you pointed out at the start of your uh, call here. But if you had to narrow it down to maybe two at most three things that if the Eagles would have done a little differently today, other than the you know score more points, what was the what were the top reasons they lost this game today? Can you narrow it down to maybe even a top two? Well, third down defense number one. I think they were eight of eleven, so they couldn't get San Francisco off the field. Uh, the Niners were eight of eleven converting, and that's why they scored six consecutive touchdowns. You know, but the good thing about this Eagles team is their typically their perseverance. So, you know, when you start. They're down 14-6 at halftime, and uh, San Francisco gets the ball in the third quarter. They go right down to score again. So that was the largest deficit the Eagles faced at 21-6. And you're saying, all right, this is a challenge. And the offense actually answered. Now, they got a little help from Drake Greenlaw and Dom DeSandro and all that nonsense. Um, but they score. They score. And, and you're saying, all right, they're back within a one-score game. It was 21-13. And you're saying, here come the Eagles. They're going to persevere. And the defense goes right back out there. And by the way, Pletcher Cox starts to drive with a with a two-yard sack. And, you know, props for Pletcher playing this week because he didn't practice at all with the groin. And four plays later, it's Debo Samuel over the middle for 48 yards. I mean, it's just, I hear, and, and I'm going to blame the offense plenty during the week, and I, I know people want to criticize the running game because this is Philadelphia. Um, but, boy, I, I, I have a really difficult time turning the page on, on, on this defense and just – Every time they could have, this is a complimentary game. And every time they could have helped the offense, they failed quickly and miserably. I agree with you, John. I said it on my show this week. Is this defense a championship defense? And unfortunately, the answer tonight was no. And you look at that rushing defense, that's been the one bright spot on that defensive side of the ball. They've been bad against the pass. They've been bad on third down. They've been bad in the red zone. But the one saving grace was, look how good they are against the run. First nine games of the year, they were. You look at the last three games, they're giving up over 160 yards a game on the ground. What can this team do to try to get a better rushing defense going forward? Well, you know, I talked about it last week in the Buffalo game. I mean, the Buffalo, they gave up less than three yards per carry to the running backs in the traditional run game. So that was all Josh Allen. So that's kind of – that's why I don't get too bogged down in the raw numbers. you got to really break it down and see, all right, what's working, what's not working. And typically, 
you know, Josh Allen's Josh Allen. Brock Purdy ran it two times for nine yards uh, today. Uh, so you're not worried about the quarterback run game. Um, and this time it's Christian McCaffrey, who is the best running back in the world. I, you know, you don't want to make excuses, but he, he's a different cat, as they say. Um, Colin Thompson, uh, um, former Panthers tight end, friend of uh, Jacob Sports, friend of our show. You know, he just raves. He got to work with Christian for two two years. I mean, that guy just, he's one of those players that's different. So it doesn't surprise me when you have some issues with Christian McCaffrey. So, but again, just like last week with Josh Allen, um, and you're not going to face Christian McCaffrey every week. However, you know, I, 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 when I look at this defense, I don't say, boy, they got to stop the run. I say, boy, they got to find a way to fix the issues in the middle of the field. And that, you know, could be the running game when Christian McCaffrey's out there. But for the most part, they've been really good stopping the run against running backs in a traditional format for the entire season. I don't think that's changed all that much. Um, I think just if you peel the onion a little bit, you see, oh, well, it was Josh Allen. It's a quarterback run game. Oh, it was Christian McCaffrey. Guess what? All due respect to Tony Pollard, who's a very good player. They ain't seen Christian McCaffrey again until hopefully the playoffs. John, let me let me uh, ask you. Let me go in that direction. Um, yeah, this is one game. I get it, and they got blown out, and it happens to teams in this league. But it's really not one game because this game projects. The Eagles were the best team in the NFC prior to today. What are they now, and how's that portend for the playoffs? Well, they're not the best team, but the good news is they have the best record. Um, and if they're going to beat San Francisco, um, they're, they're going to have to play here again, you would think. So, you know, if they could find a way to persevere and beat Dallas, and obviously the schedule lightens up with the Giants twice and Arizona down the stretch, um, they could still get the number one seed, and that's a huge advantage. Um, but that has to start Dallas. Dallas has won 14 straight games at AT&T Stadium. So that's that's easier said than done as well. Um, you know, you start talking about San Francisco's game back. Now they have the tiebreaker with you. Um, so it, it's a little more daunting. But, you know, if the Eagles can right the ship, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but even you saw the difference in these two teams. Now, anything can happen in football. San Francisco's 9-3 because they lost Trent Williams and Debo Samuel for three games. So they need all these pieces to be successful. Um, and we know that the attrition in this industry, in this league, and who knows who's going to show up in a potential rematch down the road and maybe things shift back towards Philadelphia. But, you know, I think it's fair to say at full strength, the best team in football is the San Francisco 49ers. John, there isn't much that I disagree with you on, but I do disagree with you on the run game and the importance of it. 
for certain teams. I believe that Brock Purdy is the type of quarterback that needs a flourishing run game in order for him to be successful. Um, I agree they, with that. Yeah, and, and when they when they get it going, you know, that's when their offense becomes it, it becomes full blossom. Okay, the Eagles' problem is they can't stop the run. You know, and this this what you watched today, Josh Morrow, you know, was a complete liability today. He was a liability in the run game. Um, I can't tell you how many yeah, times. I, I can't tell you how many times he looked lost, not sure where the ball was. And the two times that they had him in one-on-one against Christian McCaffrey. Like, like the first time it happened, you could see it happening, you know. And they got pressure, and Purdy had to throw the ball away. They flipped the formation. They come back to it in the second half, and they hit him for a big one, okay. And I, I just – the result of the linebacker play for me – is not something that all of a sudden just reared his head. It's something that has plagued this football team for the last 10 years because of their devaluation of the position, okay? And if they think that they can keep getting by, if you rely on what got you where, if you rely strictly on what won you the Super Bowl 52, and that was more offense than it was defense because if you go back, you know, Tom Brady threw for 505 yards against you. If you remember, Jim Schwartz didn't want to talk about it, okay? Yeah, he still doesn't want to talk about it, by yeah. the way. <laughs> and, now, and now you fast forward, you fast forward, and this team is still dealing with some of the blowback from that same exact thing. You put all of these assets into your defensive line, and that's fine. But you're always going to have these games, and you're always going to have situations in a game where the pressure just doesn't get home. And if you're not a blitzing team, and if you are a blitzing team and you got linebackers that are a liability, now you got problems. You know, you can go five-man to stop the run. They couldn't stop the run out of the five-man today. We know they can't stop it out of the four-man, but they couldn't stop the run out of the five-man today. So now the chess match is Kyle Shanahan's like, oh, you want to go five-man? I'm going to throw the ball against you. You go four-man, I'm going to run the ball against you. And it's all the result of not having linebackers that are efficient enough to stop the run and help the, help the defensive line and not efficient enough in the pass game to be able to cover backside of the backfield and understand exactly what the hell is going on when you're in zone and how teams are trying to beat you in zone and the guys crossing your face are trying to pull you out of the zone so somebody else can come in behind you. That's a, that is a result of Howie's lack of respect for the position of linebacker backers on defense and if you look at the great line if, if you look at the great defenses look at baltimore look at san francisco they got great linebackers period yeah well I, i'm not going to disagree that howie devalues the position there's no question about that he's made decisions and you know um today it it it, it doesn't look good but today is today you know, I think the rest of the season that they started uh, 10 and 1, and I would sit here and say, you know what? Nicholas Morrow played pretty well this week or this week or this week. And today he, he had a stinker. Um, but I think 
too often, you know, people don't look at the other side and say, all right, okay, this is, as I brought up, Christian McCaffrey. All right, there's a reason um, Nicholas Morrow looked pretty good during a 10 and one start when he was out there and Zach Cunningham before he got hurt. And he had his worst game of the year. And obviously Christian Ellis was in there, made a play early. I joked the Eagles had the better Christian in the first quarter. It quickly <laughs> turned uh, from that point. Um, it, it, sometimes you gotta tip your hat to the other team. Like there are no linebackers that with all due respect to Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw got kicked out of the game and Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Christian does this pretty consistently, since having a historical season. You know, everybody has problems with Christian McCaffrey. And even more so when you have Debo Samuel backing him up and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. It's really, really tough duty to stop this offense. And the only way to stop it, to be honest, is what they did in the first quarter. And that's get home on the quarterback and speed up the quarterback. And they did it for one quarter. And it looked great. And it wasn't sustainable. And once they couldn't get home, or couldn't pressure, couldn't speed them up, or couldn't get them off the spots, then all of a sudden the talent level shines through. But yeah, I mean, how he devalues the position, he's made a, a, you know, but maybe if you're paying Roquan Smith $18 million a year, you can't get um, a defensive lineman, you know? You can't pay Hassan Reddick, or you can't pay Josh Sweat or you can't pay Jalen Carter down. So they've made their decision. Same thing in running back on offense. Look, the Eagles didn't run the football today. I just got done talking to Jason Kelsey. You know, nobody wants to run the ball more than Kelsey and Lane and Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mylotta. And But Kelsey's an honest guy. He said, you know, what offensive coordinator, what offensive play caller is going to keep calling the run if you can't run the ball and have no success running the two longest runs by the Eagles today were seven yards by Jalen Hurst and five yards by Marcus Mariota. The longest run by a running back was four yards. Um, they don't have Christian McCaffrey running the football. So for all those people saying hand it off to zero and say, look what the 49ers do with Christian McCaffrey, well, you got your Eagles goggles off. He ain't Christian McCaffrey. He can't do what that player does. So the Eagles go about things a different way. You could argue over a larger sample size, how he's correct. Tonight, the weaknesses of this team kind of showed up. John, you're 100% correct. You can't, DeAndre Swift can't do what Christian McCaffrey does. And he really can't do it when you only give him the ball six damn times, but you give Christian McCaffrey the ball 17 times, okay? So their inability to run the ball is not so much that he can't do it or the offensive line can't block it. It's their neglect. 
It's their inconsistency. It's their desire not to run the football because if they don't rip it off, if they don't get it done early in the game, they just get away from it. Six carries, six carries for a guy who very rarely gets enough carries to warrant him being in the top ten of rushes in the National Football League, and yet he still is. But you still, week in and week out, decide not to give him the damn ball enough for him to be a factor in the game. And I'm sick and tired of everybody saying, oh, we can't run, so we don't run. Before, we couldn't run because Cam Jurgens was out. No, we don't run and we can't run because they don't want to run the ball and they don't give him enough opportunities to run the ball. They don't give him a chance to be a Christian McCaffrey. Nonsense. Well, I would say, and again, that was Jason. That was the that was the offensive uh, center of, 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 of the team. That was a, That was coming directly from him. If you don't have success running the ball, yeah, they're going to go away from it. Now then, Seth, when you get down, he scores. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. That's right. It happens in A.J. Brown, Smith. Both games now, you know, in the second quarter, second half, as things got out of uh, – uh, out of whack. I don't know how much you play into garbage stats or whatever, but you know those are the best players on their team, and those are the guys they lean on, and I think rightfully so. Um, but when you get down, it changes things tremendously. These are one of the, have been one of the best running teams in the NFL in the Nick Sirianni era um, overall. But again, I, I I think there's this disconnect with you know, certain players, and there's a disconnect. They devalue certain positions. Running back is one. Linebacker, as you mentioned, Seth, is another. So, you know, if, if you're being honest and saying, who are the best players, just the best pure football players on this team, you know, you're talking about A.J. Brown, you're talking about Devontae Smith, you're talking about Dallas Goddard when he's healthy. You're talking about Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Jalen Carter already, on and on and on and on. You don't talk about the running backs and you don't talk about the linebackers because they don't pour assets into that position. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can't have everything. Do the Eagles do it right or they do they do it wrong? I would say they do it right by the larger sample size, but today that's a tough argument to make because it's nice to have a Christian McCaffrey. The Eagles are never going to have one because they're never going to put the value in it to get one. And there's only one, so you got to make him the highest paid player at his position in football like San Francisco. Would the Eagles do that? No. They would have drafted him in 2017, though. I can tell you that. John, uh, thank you. Uh, I kind of agree with Seth that yeah, I understand. Who, who has a Christian McCaffrey? Like, San Francisco does. Nobody else really does. So, uh, I'm with Seth. If you, if you, they, they seem to be reluctant to feed DeAndre Swift enough for him to break out and, and, and give you a big run. So, we'll leave it there for the time being. Uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we will... You know, next week becomes the biggest game of the year, and we'll see what happens there. But we'll talk to you next week, John. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
Uh, it's John McMullen, brought to us by DelVal Insurance. Save up to 40% on your car insurance right now. Call your partners, Fran or Jim, at DelVal Insurance. Coming hey, up, hey Mike, before game you balls. Go, and what do you got, Seth? Before you go, listen, I, 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 I don't want people to think that I was trying to jump down John's throat, you know, and the next time I see him, I'll apologize for that outbreak. But, you know, these are the numbers that you can consider, okay? Christian McCaffrey leads the, leads the league in rushing over 1,000 yards. He's had 200 carries, 210 carries, okay? Next up is Derrick Henry with 197 carries. Raheem Mostert, his per average is a lot higher, but DeAndre Swift has only had 167 carries in the national this year, and he's got over 780-something yards. They are clearly afraid to feed him the football on a consistent basis. I, and I don't know what it is. They don't have enough confidence in his physicality. Whatever it is, I agree with you. I think when a guy only gets six carries, of course you're not going to uh, – you're going to get stopped most of the time. But if you give him 16 within those extra 10 carries, maybe there's a 35-yarder. We've seen that many times this year. So I would agree with you on that. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do game balls and our drive of the game. And I don't know if I could – do I make a drive of the game, an Eagles drive of the game? Because is it off limit? Can I go San Fran drive of the game? Yeah, all six of them. How about the drive home after the game? <laughs> I get a, I, <laughs> it's done. There'll be the drive home after the yeah, game. That'll be the That's drive. coming up right here the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino back after this. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the Oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
My name is uh, Fran Soleno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVale Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back to the Jacob Media Pond Lahaki postgame show. We're going to take a minute and acknowledge our partnership with the great people from the EBOD Foundation, the EBOD Foundation. We are teaming up with them to help combat Alzheimer's as well as dementia and raise more awareness about Alzheimer's and dementia as well. We have a fun contest to try to raise awareness and also combat those two horrible diseases because as we all know, just like a football team, combating anything is only as good as the players involved. And as we kick off this month of December, we want to make sure that we're raising awareness for nationals, uh, national Alzheimer's. Many people believe that dementia and Alzheimer's, it's uh, simply a natural part of aging. But that, of course, is not the case. These conditions are caused by diseases much like cancer or AIDS. In fact, Alzheimer's disease is the primary cause of dementia, relentlessly attacking the brain piece by piece until it takes away everything that makes you well and everything that makes you you. So here at Jacob Media, we are doing our part to try to raise awareness about combating Alzheimer's. And you can text right now the word SCORE to take part in this contest for the big game, the big game sweepstakes. Text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835. That's 833-202-9835. Also use these hashtags as well. These promo codes, Team Miss, Team, Miss, Team Seth, Team Gun, and Team Farsi. Now, what are you going to win if you end up winning this contest? How about this? A trip to the big game itself where you can help score for a cure. You also get $2,000 in spending money to help you with expenses and a two-night stay at a luxurious hotel in Las Vegas for the big game. We're all thrilled, excited to be a part of this great cause. Good uh, job there, Farsi. Two Gs. Two Gs to hang and put in your pocket, huh? How about that? Not too bad, huh? That all is for a good cause. That's pretty good. Uh, all right, it's time for Game Balls. Of course, Game Balls brought to us by Colony Pools. Flywithcolony.com is where you can check them out. Sign up right now for Colony Pools Winter Watch Program. you got you to get the Colony Pools involved for your winterizing your pool. Get your custom Kelly Green pool cover delivered in 2024. It would make for a great holiday gift, by the way. Check it out online, flywithcolony.com. Uh, the game ball. So that, listen, I, <laughs> I can't write my right mind give a game ball to an eagle today. I just can't do it. So who deserves the game ball? 
Christian McCaffrey deserves the game ball. I'm sorry. I can't be a phony and say, well, uh, let me see. There was an eagle uh, like A.J. Brown who caught nine balls. Didn't mean anything. So I, I got to give it to Christian McCaffrey. I'm sorry. And people hate me for that. But I got to do it. Again, the only eagle is Jake Elliott. Now moving on to the team that really <laughs> gets the real game ball today. I, I got to go with Brock Purdy today. And, yes, he, was he outplayed by a couple other guys? Absolutely outplayed. But the biggest thing from the Winers over the last year was the fact that they didn't have Brock Purdy in that game. They had Brock Purdy in this game, and he played damn near perfect football. Whether it was running over a weak attempt of a tackle by Bradley Roby, or it was just being extremely accurate to the tune of a 148 passer rating today against the Eagles. Leads the league with a 112, and he's at 148 against this Eagles defense. He was a huge difference from last year's NFC Championship game to, th to this game tonight. So I got to go with Brock Purdy as the guy that gets my game ball. I'm going to go offense too, but I'm going to go Debo Samuel. In this game, two touchdowns, 116 yards, and also the touchdown that put them up 28-13. to 13. Just when it looked like the Eagles were starting to get some momentum, all that crazy drama that happened as well. Now all of a sudden you see Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel hook up for a touchdown right there. And ever since then, they just completely took control of the game. He gets my game ball tonight. I wish it was to an Eagle, but I don't think we can say that any Eagle played well this evening. Seth, where are you going? <laughs> Come on, Seth. Give me an Eagle. I'm going to give my game ball to Dom DeSanto. <laughs> <laughs> he gave the Eagles the best chance to get back into that game. And after they scored that touchdown and San Francisco answered right back, the game was over. All right, uh, listen, first of all, we should say, and, and Mark just showed me a tweet, uh, Shanahan uh, really was not happy yeah, I'll, with, I'll uh, pull that up. with Dom DeSandro, and he's getting blasted nationally by, by the pundits, including uh, Mike Florio of uh, Pro Football Talk. Uh, so he, you know, I, I don't know what's going to they What do you think? They, they suspended that kid who gave the cell phone to Tyreek Hill, right? That, did by it, the way, went viral on NFL. It, it did. NFL so, and, and this is probably going to go viral. Right? So yeah. What, yeah. what did Shanahan have to say? Uh, this is from uh, by Jeff McClain after the game quoting uh, Kyle Shanahan. It's just, uh, I just can't believe someone uninvolved in a football game can taunt our players like that and put their hands in our guy's face. From what I was told, Dre did it back to him, and I was told that he mashed him in the face a little bit. So he got ejected. It was very frustrating at the time. It was very frustrating during the play. It was a frustrating play in itself. I have to watch it to uh, have a true opinion on it. But I love how we rallied after that. So we look at the Eagles rallying after that, being able to get a touchdown. Granted, there was a lot of penalty yards assessed there. But they looked at it as a rallying cry for their own right. Like They feel like they can put their hands on our players. This is from Shanahan's perspective. And we're going to retaliate as well. They always got something to complain uh, about. I said, Dom got a game ball. I mean, he got an, an ejection and a game ball. You know what I don't understand? I don't, I don't understand the whole taunting thing. I just, I, I don't, there's so much crap that gets talked during the game. So if you catch a ball and you pound your chest or you look at a guy or you say something, 15 yards for taunting. What, what, what is that all about? But you, are you against the taunting penalty? I think it's the stupidest. Okay, I agree in, with in, that. In, in all so you sports, can, you can taunt throughout the whole game. You can people's face, and you, that would be better for you to make the game better. Listen, the whole point of trash talking is a psychological, you know, benefit to you. Like I used to talk the entire game. Why? Because if I can get you thinking about something other than what you should be thinking about, I've got a benefit to me. To to my game. 
Well, there is a line they draw. I mean, you can talk to guys in all games. It's like, but it's like it, A.J. Brown against against the Commanders. He scores a touchdown. He gets up, takes the ball, puts it at the feet of the defender, you know, and they give him 15 yards. For what? No, I agree with that. But I think what they're trying to cut it off at the bud, or nip it at the bud, is it leading to something more, like a fight on the field. Well, then you can may, call the penalty. And I agree with you, by the way. Then you can maybe, call the penalty. Maybe the person who feels taunted should exhibit some self-control with their emotions about getting upset. Then I'm saying something. If I make a play against you, okay, and you don't like it, do something about it. I agree. I, no, I agree. I agree. Listen, Greenlaw lost his focus. He's a good player for them. He Absolutely. should put himself in that position. But when he threw down Smith, he got the penalty for that. Then what escalated was the Sandro gets in there and says, that's, says that, that's BS. Puts his hand right, on him. Right. And, says, right. And, and so at that point, that's where I draw the line. I don't care if players taunt each other. I, and they're going to get penalized if they do something like Greenlaw did to Smith. Uh, what I don't feel is appropriate is somebody who's not involved in the game. Like Shanahan said, he's not involved in the game. He's a security guy for the head coach. He's not even an assistant coach. So Mike, that, he like, shouldn't be in the game. He shouldn't be like, in that area. You act like every other person on the sideline like every you got you got 48 active players and probably 15 20 inactives that's on the sideline you got 20 freaking coaches and about 30 other people that are fans of that side of that sideline yeah and stuff is being said all the time if a guy runs out of bounds there's always chatter that's going on what do most players do? They they run off the sideline and they go back and they play. Okay, so in that I situation, get it, Seth, but they're not involved right at the at the spot of where the guy got thrown down. He just happened to be there. Oh, he just happened to be it there. He, like he, Mike, he shouldn't be there. You act like he ran down there. He, he <laughs> was haunted. Well, no, I he's there and he shouldn't be there. That's he's what I'm saying there. to you. He's there because he's the personal security. Okay, well then if he's the there, and he's the personal security for the head coach who doesn't need freaking security during a football game, then he should not get involved in any kind of scrum. Let me tell you something. You can have your opinion on it all you want, but I guarantee you most of Philadelphia – Agrees with me, not oh, you. Of course, they agree okay, with you. That's he's going to be a hero. That's that doesn't that make it Absolutely. right. I'm not saying. Listen, it's not right. It's not right for that for that player to go at somebody on the other sideline. I can't either. believe you're sitting here and you would defend a guy who's not pa- not a part of the coaching staff to get involved in that. What did he get involved in? He said some words. And, and he shouldn't say any words. Who cares? For the sake of accuracy, for the sake of accuracy, he didn't point. just say words, though. He, sa- he tried to separate the fight, so he put his hands on a player. And I asked you earlier, okay. if a guy comes over okay. to you and who's not a player, Seth, okay. what, is, what is Seth Joyner doing in that situation? If you're physically trying to do something to mm-hmm. me, that's one thing. Okay. okay. If I'm trying to separate and break something up, then you take that for what it's worth. Okay. Now, if you say something to me, they're just words. I don't have the right to go upside your head because you said something to me, okay? The only recourse that I have is when you put your hands on me. Now you've opened the door for a beatdown, okay? <laughs> now you've opened the door right. for that. Uh-huh. So that's my point. There's no, 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 there's no reason for him if, if Dom didn't physically go at him. Which he didn't. That, which he didn't. Put his hands on. Then there's no reason for him to do and that. And he got thrown out of the game for it. Of course so you're did. right. He had no he business. Did. Greenlaw had no business doing that. What I'm saying is 
Dom should not be involved in that. He shouldn't. And whether you like him or not, and we all like him, he shouldn't be involved in that. I'm pretty sure he feels that way. Okay. But I, but, but I think, but I also believe that the player, you want to absolve the player. I, I'm not involved him. He got thrown out of the game. Okay. He got thrown out of the game for what he okay. did. Okay. If I'm if I'm saying if I'm if I'm taunting you with words, are you just gonna shut your mouth and keep moving? No, but I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> He's supposed to be uh, have decorum, and like, if somebody comes out of the stands and attacks Nick Sirianni, that's when he should be involved, Mission but not on a play where a football you got him player to throws <laughs> down. Mission no, accomplished. We can move on. Now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, are we doing the driving again? Let's do the driving again. Yeah, I'll do the drive of the game. I want to do, I want to do the non-drive of the game. I wish D Gum was here. I want to do the <laughs> non-drive really of the game. Hey, well, you hey, can't handle me today. Hey, Joe, you need D Gun. Joe, can, can you send a clip of that to D Gun? Please send it to him. Please send it. <laughs> 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 I think I was gonna have that. D Gun loves Dom. I get it. I love Dom. I think he's great. We all no. love Dom. Right. No, okay, exactly. everyone here to send Dom. a clip to D Gun of you saying that you're an idiot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean that goes without saying. I don't need to, need to say it, but but. Sometimes th this idiot's right, and I happen to be right on this. All right, let's go to the non-drive of the game. The non-drive of the game, to me, is the second drive that the Eagles have. All right, they missed the chance to get a touchdown the first drive, and it's 3 nothing. Here they come back down again, and they run off 12 plays, right? And they get into a – and in this drive, they convert a third and three and a third and five. So they're rolling. And after that third and five, they get another first down on a pass to Devontae Smith, and it looks, it looks all good. And then Jalen gets sacked for 15 yards. And now here's where my beef is, because it gets to a third down and 21. They're already in field goal range. They're at the 29. Take a shot to the end zone in that situation. They throw a swing pass to Kenneth Gainwell for eight yards, and they, and they blow the whole, that whole drive, and they wind up kicking another field goal. That was an important drive to score a touchdown. So that's my non-drive of the game. Your non-drive of the game. Uh, my drive of the game would unfortunately, just like most things in this game, go in favor of the San Francisco 49ers, who came out in the third quarter and just were ready to punch the Eagles in the mouth again. After the Eagles were unable to punch it in in the end zone in the first quarter, they come out in the second quarter, they take control of the game, and then after deferring, after winning the toss, they did exactly what they were supposed to do which is treat that almost as if it was a turnover and then cash it in for points. And that's what they did. And it only took them seven plays to go 75 yards in just over three minutes to make sure they could put this game almost officially out of reach, making a 21-6 to six game in favor of the 49ers. And from that point on, it just felt like the Eagles weren't going to be able to bounce back with any type of retaliation after that uh, uh, particular drive. I'm going to go with their second drive in the third quarter, their second scoring drive at that, because I think, you know, when you go to 21-13, do the Eagles look like they're in it? Maybe not. But at the same time, the crowd is finally into it. The momentum's kind of on the Eagles' side. And you think, okay, if they can just get one stop on defense, the birds get the ball back and can maybe go up and score. And then all of a sudden, San Francisco just said, listen, this defense is not stopping us here today. That was the Brock Purdy to Debo Samuel that goes into the end zone, makes it 28-13. to 13. And then he just felt like the life was completely sucked out of Philadelphia from that point. I mean, there was no getting back. The defense just completely exploited the linebackers, the secondary, everything in between. And from there, it felt like San Francisco took full control. I don't have a drive. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, the defense was problematic because they made San Francisco punt the ball two times in a row. And then San Francisco went 11 plays, 85-yard touchdown. 10 plays, 90-yard touchdown. 7 plays, 75 yards touchdown. 5 plays, 77 yards 
touchdown. 12 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Two plays, 48 yards, touchdown. That's six? Damn embarrassing. <laughs> that was six in a row. All right, I, I got you. Uh, okay, th- there were a couple guys that got banged up in this game, and not the least of which was the quarterback, and we thought that they were going to lose him to a concussion, and he went off the field to get into concussion protocol, and uh, he did come back on the field. Let's go to Dr. Bruce Grossinger with some updates on the injury situation. Dr. Bruce, when, when he goes into the locker room, I, I was really surprised that he came back out to play, but what, what, uh, what did he have to pass in the locker room, that concussion protocol, to get him back on the field? Yes, nice to see everybody tonight. He had to pass something called a sack test which is a standardized assessment of concussion. And this involves checking his orientation, his memory, his concentration, and his delayed memory. They'll ask him about plays in the game. They'll also check his eye movements. We had a little laugh a few weeks ago about the eye twitching, something called nystagmus. We make sure he doesn't have that. Also something like a sobriety test where he's got to do a one-leg stand and a uh, coordination test. And he has to be evaluated by an independent neurologist who's unaffiliated with the Eagles as well as a team physician. So each doctor takes about five minutes. So the entirety of the concussion protocol takes 10 minutes. And luckily, Jalen was able to pass, return to the game. And I hear uh, from my insider that he has been cleared to play at Dallas. And they sure as heck need him after that thrashing. What about a little bit more help here, Doctor? We were talking a little bit earlier about the possibility of Dallas Goddard playing in this game, obviously, who was inactive. Can we look forward to him coming back from that uh, fracture in his arm to be able to play in this game against the Dallas Cowboys coming up? Yes. Uh, as predicted a few weeks ago, he had an excellent response to that surgery in his forearm. And what I hear from multiple sources is that Dallas, Dallas Goddard will be back for that Cowboys game away at AT&T Stadium, but he's uh, certainly will be uh, needed. And I hear Zach Cunningham also is doing well with his hamstring injury. And today was kind of a wet field. They used an abundance of caution, but they really needed good linebacker play, which they did not see today. And Zach Cunningham will be a crucial, crucial cog in the wheel. And, Doc, Dallas Goddard trying to come back in that Dallas game, as you guys just mentioned. How effective, though, do you think he can be coming off that injury? Well, um, that's going to be hard to say. He's going to be playing with a big brace, that Gronkowski brace, and he's going to be practicing all week, catching balls. And so I think I, I would doubt that he could make a difficult catch, but I think he'll be able to make an easy play like a, like a bubble screen or a you know five-yard uh, hitch pass, so I, I think that if that they won't bring him back unless he could be effective. But as far as him having to run and extend his arms and make a catch, I think that would be beyond worth where he will be next week. Uh, Doc, then why then why bring him back if you know he can't be what he can be? You need him in the blocking game, and you know you need him to be an effective receiver. You know in this game next week and going forward. Why bring him back? And, you know, you talked about the concussion protocol and Jalen Hurts with a twitchy eye. I think I'm always in a concussion protocol because my eye twitches all the time, man. <laughs> We've noted that before. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think that they have been rehearsing him. You know, he's been practicing 
uh, on his own, and I hear that he is replicating catches. He's got to be able to block and extend his arms. And like you say, he can't be defenseless. And I've, I thought they might have brought him back this week. But what I hear is he'll be back and he'll be able to contribute next week. And certainly they have a uh, paucity of good tight ends. A paucity. I like it. Uh, Dr. Uh, Bruce, thank you for uh, sticking around. We appreciate your insight uh, on the injury front, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. All right. Farsi, have you ever had a sack test? I have never had a sack test. Okay. I just had the coach hold up two fingers, and I went three, and he (laughs) sent me right back in. Didn't they used to give you one back in phys ed class way back in the day? (laughs) I I didn't get one, officially. Uh, I went. So- I see. I went sophomoric. Did you? Yeah. I just, you, know, you mean the I cup test? I can't help myself. All right. Let's uh, let's look ahead now to uh, what we have here. And as it pertains to the Super Bowl picture, the, my biggest fears were established today because I, I didn't want them to lose this 49er game and find themselves in a position where they would lose a tiebreaker and the NFC title game, which I think the Eagles could get to, would have to be in San Francisco, and I don't like their chances there. So this game meant a lot to me. So let's look ahead, to, and maybe people on the panel aren't as, uh, you know, uh, uh, sour about, about this picture than I am because of this loss. But this one stunned me a little bit. Well, as I, when we were talking earlier about the idea that this is just one game, again, yes, it is one game. But the Eagles need to make it just one game. This can't be where they slip and slide for the rest of the season. They can't you know, struggle against the Cowboys, lose that game, and then struggle against the Giants, and then struggle against the, the, the Cardinals, even though they're hosting that game. This needs to be that one game. For all the people who are saying it's just one game, and you might be along the same lines as the same people that said, you know what, they played terrible today, but they won, so there you go. Make it just one game where you really struggled mightily against a team that was on top of their game coming into this matchup today against the 49ers. So for me, I look at the rest of the schedule. I still feel like the Eagles are a better team. The Eagles are a better team than the the Dallas Cowboys. Prove that they still can't beat the upper echelon teams, which the Eagles still are in the NFL. And then go handle the business against the Giants twice. And then also, excuse me, and the Seattle Seahawks as well. And then go handle the business against the Giants and also the Cardinals. And then still maintain because you're still in the driver's seat, that number one seed in the NFC. Do I think it's good that the Eagles got absolutely crushed today? Absolutely not. But do I think it's good to maybe wake up these coordinators and also Nick Sirianni? Probably. Because I think at this point of the season, you're not getting new people coming in that are going to change the wave of the entire season. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But maybe, just maybe, Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson will wake up a little bit on the offensive side of the ball and run the ball. I could be hoping for a miracle and maybe it'll happen next week. Probably not, but at the same time, I think this gives them a chance to go back to the drawing board, wake up a little bit, and try to make sure that they go to Dallas, then play Seattle and all these other games, and make sure they win them. Because I do think that if they play San Francisco, they can win, because I think if you win this game today, then you have to play them again in the playoffs. It's really hard to beat a very good team twice in one season. So I think that they have that and their benefactor, but... I, th- I thought they were going to lose a game in this gauntlet that we've been talking about when they played the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers. Did I think they were going to get blown out today? Absolutely not. But I agree with you guys where it has to be a one-game thing, and I need to see major adjustments next week in Dallas. Not at halftime, not in the third quarter, not in the fourth quarter, but at the beginning of kickoff in that game. I'm not in the camp of, you know, the chicken little, the sky is falling. You know, I- I'm not. Because the Eagles are still, to your point, Mark, they're in the driver's seat and they control their own destiny. 
So if they go to Dallas next week and they take care of business, they're still going to be in a good position. Um, then, you know, the biggest game left on the schedule, in my opinion, beyond Dallas, is having to travel to Seattle and win in Seattle. With Geno coming back to earth and Seattle looking gettable, um, I'm not really worried. I'm, what worries me, you know, is the precipitous fall statistically of where the defense is. And as I did my research this week, as I do every week, to try to see where each team and each unit ranks in the National Football League, week by week you can see them getting worse and worse, you know, on third down on defense. You can see them week by week getting worse and worse against the run. Week by week, you can see them getting worse and worse in pass defense. And that is a concern for me moving forward because they should be getting better as the season goes along. And at some point, they should be peaking. And they've been trying to search for the perfect game offensively, defensively, and special teams all season long. And I just don't see the improvement over the season. Now, they've won games, so you can't take that away from them. But I haven't seen the improvement that says that we're on a precipitous rise till we get to the point of playoffs so that we're peaking when we get there. I don't see it. And that's problematic for me. All right. So uh, next Sunday night, we'll be back here for the Cowboys, an 820 game uh, on Sunday night. And at the Seahawks, of course, that game has been moved to Monday night. So a couple of tough road games for the Eagles. And then uh, they can breathe, I think, with the Giants, Cardinals, and the Giants. Uh, for Mark Farzetta and Kayla Santiago and Seth Joyner and Bill Calarulo and, uh, and Derek Gunn, no D-Gunn tonight, still dealing with his family situation, but our thoughts and, and prayers are with him. Maybe we can get D-Gunn back uh, before the season is ended, but we're thinking about you, D. So for the crew, Eagles got waxed tonight. We hope it's a one-game thing, and it's not going to ruin this whole season. We're back next week for the Cowboys and Eagles right here on the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. Take care, everybody. Good night. Hey, Philly. It's Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets all season long. That's right. I'm talking regular season, playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. So follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Hondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.